0: We're live. Good googly moogly, Jeff Ross. Push that fucker up to your face and say hello to the world. Hello, world. Are you taking off the, you know, no headphones for you? Ah, I don't know.
1: Rebel. You're I a rebel. You're
0: rebel. You don't give a fuck. You look fuck. great, buddy. You look great as well, fellow black belt in Taekwondo. <gasps> I saw a picture of you when you were a little kid. Somebody posted it up on my message board. What are you, like, the youngest black belt in New Jersey or something crazy like that?
1: Yeah. Second, yep. What Second in know? the
0: country. You fucking savage. You were dropping some uh, some knowledge about all of this. Uh, we, we started the podcast up quickly. Look at that. Look at that fucking... Wow. That's crazy. Badass little
1: kid. I never knew that. I'm Poke- 10 and a half in that picture. Karate chopping bitches. Whoosh. Am I still a
0: black belt, Joe,
1: technically, if it doesn't fit around my waist anymore?
0: You are. <laughs> you have earned it. Whether or not you're at black belt level or not, that's debatable. But you have earned your black belt. So you are a black belt. It's, it's like, like being a Marine. A- I love that. hey <laughs> Once you go back, you never go back. Um, we were talking, we started the podcast up abruptly because uh, we were talking about. Um, How do you, wait, one question for you. How do you think
1: being a black belt has affected your comedy?
0: My, I, don't, I don't know. None. Not at all. How I don't think I would
1: have the confidence to talk shit if I didn't get a black belt early on. Really? Yeah.
0: It probably helps something. Come on, of course. For sure, in that no way. No doubt about it. Well, it definitely helps Like you not be worried about confrontation as much.
1: Well at least yeah. Oh. Uh, for like sure. Like having that uh what do they have around
0: Israel? Cone of silence? What? No.
1: The uh, <laughs> the dome, something dome.
0: They have a dome? Yeah, in it's Israel? like a defense system. Oh I see. Right, right, right. So you have a defense system. In place. It might be a little rusty and a little
1: <laughs> you know, in need of some tuna, but it's there.
0: Well, anybody that would most of the time anybody that would hackle you or, or think about attacking you usually they're so fucking stupid Like the vast majority of hecklers are so goddamn dumb, but I've been around so many people that can kick my ass i don't feel very confident, you know working for the UFC I'm just constantly around people that could just fuck me up anytime I just don't feel very confident like with regular people maybe but just I'm too humbled by I've been my working job.
1: with a bunch of fighters.
0: Yeah? What have you been doing with them? Joe Daddy? Do you know who that Stevenson. is? Stevenson. Yeah, Joe Stevenson. Tell He's me so the uh,
1: mentor and, like, fighting coach for the show Kingdom. This is all oh. about MMA fighters, an underground scene.
0: That's that DirecTV show, right? Uh-huh. Isn't Callen on that? Brian uh-huh. Callan's on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool that DirecTV's doing their own programming. That's nice. It's like there's so many different avenues for programming now. It's pretty fucking badass. They
1: make the show, and then they show the show, and now it's on iTunes. And I'm on the next season. It's a cool thing because it's fun to see the fight world get dramatized. It's like Friday Night Lights for uh, for fights.
0: Right? Are there good scenes though? Like very realistic. Of yeah. course,
1: as a fan, you're gonna fans would roll their eyes and go, "How realistic could it be?" I've only been to one fight. It was the one you and Ari invited me to.
2: Which in one was that? Do you Vancouver, remember?
1: Vancouver a few years back. Hmm. And oh, uh, I have to think of who was might have been turned.
0: That sounds like, I think it was John Jones. Was it John Jones? I can't remember. John, John Jones and Gustafson? Was that Vancouver?
1: My jaw was dropping at the blood. It's crazy. I've never been. So now these fight scenes, we shoot at night, so it's very realistic. And it's surprisingly authentic. It's all real fighters and boxers fighting the actors on this show. Nick Jonas music superstar One of the Jonas Brothers on the show not one of the Jonas Brothers like the guy Who's got the number one music career right now is also playing a fighter and he's a total badass And I really it sounds crazy, but he's ripped he's in these scenes for six seven hours a night two three nights in a row shooting these just the fight scenes then the next day or all day he's got to do like actual dramatic acting but The fights are really well done. They're they're raw people get hurt. There's a lot of real blood mixed with the Acting blood, you know, so this is
0: him right here. Look at this fucking stud.
1: I'm telling you man I was so impressed
0: looks like T.J. Wahlberger.
1: I play a sleazy promoter that hires him even though he's uh, Out of medical leave from fighting.
0: It's a handsome bastard. Does he actually know martial arts? he is very believable
1: as a fighter like Some of the fighters said he's as good. Joe Daddy actually told me this. I don't know if I'm supposed to. But he thinks he's as good as some of the fighters that they have come train him. Really? That if he was fighting, he would beat this guy for real. Like he was doing a scene the other night, and that's what Joe Daddy said. What's that
0: gay scene right there? Right there. (laughs) What's going on right there? That looks like, I don't know what's going on. Come on. They're playing brothers. They're brothers. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever. (laughs) It's time to get underhooks. Dude, fight them off.
1: Get that right underhook. It's a very intense show. There's a lot of tears and
2: What's that dark. guy got?
1: Is a lot that,
0: of drugs and fucking. Are those tattoos on his arm or is he just like really in a tape? <laughs> what, is, what is that? No. Just, that's a new thing, bro. I duct tape up before I leave my house, bro. I think he's taped up. It's a bad technique right there. I'm getting a little upset at uh, that very uh, 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 naked uh. choke technique. What's he doing with his right hand? Why isn't it behind the guy's head? You are not watching a sanctioned clip from the show. I'm watching some, of... this is what I do when I'm
1: fucking <laughs> I think you're watching this I too long. We quite... should start questioning your sexuality no, I am telling you. how many of your guests have done that, but <laughs> I don't quite sink the choke in you've started That's how my, I uh, fuck this, by staring at Nick Jonas getting choked out
0: for almost three minutes now <laughs> <laughs> Hypnotize. It's like one of those fucking clocks. Tick tock, tick tock. Oh, I'm getting. Have you ever been hypnotized? No. I got hypnotized recently, for the first time ever. It's wow. very interesting. Yeah. This guy who, uh, Vinny Shorman, has been on the podcast. He he uh, hypnotized a lot of fighters. He's like kind of a mind coach. Knows a lot about like uh, how to uh, eliminate barriers that people have set up. Fucking send them to you, buddy. Kick this fucking cigarette habit. And get you on the road to recovery. But um, it's very interesting, because when you get hypnotized, you're aware of what's going on. You're totally aware, but you're definitely in some sort of fucking weird dreamland. Very strange.
3: Hmm. Were you completely sober?
0: 100%. Yeah, 100% sober, sitting on the couch.
3: Was it just an
1: adventure, or were you trying to cure something?
0: Well, I'm curious, because I wanted to know what... Because uh, I know a lot of fighters have used it and had very good results. Like it's alleviated a lot of anxiety with them, given them a lot of confidence, and they've attributed it to a lot of their positive performances. It's not foolproof. Better man always wins every time, you know, and sometimes fighters who don't have a mind coach will still beat fighters that have a mind coach. But I think all things said, If you add all the different things that a fighter has to be aware of, you have to be in shape, you have to know your techniques, you have to be, you know, motivated. There's there's a lot of stuff going on in a fighter's head that has to be lined up properly. And a mind coach, not a bad idea. Having someone who can um, hypnotize you and give you, uh, like, tenets to live by and pathways that you could follow that are positive, I think that's fucking super important for, for anybody, for fighters, for anybody. So I just wanted to try it. Wanted to see, um, wanted to see uh, if what it does for fighting can actually can actually do for stand-up.
3: Did you trust this guy? Did you know this mm-hmm. hypnotist? Like he didn't put yeah. any crazy things that like you make chicken
2: noises. No, when... bop. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, it was just. Uh, I mean, I wasn't. It wasn't like you know, take your pants off, suck my dick. It wasn't like. How do you know? <laughs> I know it wasn't because I was awake the whole time. Like right. you're awake, it's a weird feeling, man. It's like you're you're ob- you're listening to him, but it's almost like you're in a room and he's coming in over a loudspeaker, and your your eyes are closed. That's what it feels like. It's very strange.
1: Mm-hmm. Very strange. Is there anything you could compare it to? Is it like yoga? Is it like?
0: No, it's like a, a little bit like uh, something that might happen in a sensory deprivation tank because yeah. it seems like you go into this weird alternate state and that's uh, sort of how he describes it, that you're, you're actually entering into an alternate state of consciousness, like a, a different mind state. Very, very interesting stuff. I was always curious because you ever seen a R-rated hypnotist? Yeah. The guys that are really good. You ever see Frank Santos Was name was around? I remember him in Boston. You do?
1: Yes. He was the best. He was the best, that guy. It seemed creepy to me. Like he had the hottest <laughs> wife imaginable and he looked like a... Like,
0: uh, a frog. <laughs> yeah, he knocked it out of the park. He was a great guy, though.
1: I just kept looking at her trying to think of whatever the out, the, safe, the code word was to snap her out of it. And I walk up to her and just pickles. randomly, graham crackers, just to <laughs> what? see. She's like, What are you? <laughs> I'm
0: married to who?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Wait, what? Huh? Wait, I was at a corporate party. What happened?
0: <laughs> no, I'm married to a hypnotist. He, he would have guys come in their pants all the time. He would, uh, this is back when Madonna was hot. It was like the 1980s. And uh, he had some guy, and he, the guy was like doing push-ups on stage. And he told him, now Madonna's underneath you, and she's naked, and you're, you're having sex with her. And you could see the guy literally think he was having sex with Madonna, and he would come."
3: Jesus, are you gonna go back? Have more uh, like sessions and like try? I would do do it again. I would
0: definitely do it again. The hypnotizing thing, I think I would do it again. Uh, Vinny lives in England, so he's only here uh, occasionally. But uh, if I found someone that was good, that was in this area, I would do it. I think there's something. you could videotape it though, right? I've been so creeped out. I'm not scared. I yeah, periscope
3: that shit at least.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sucking. All these dick. people <laughs> watching it the from their phones and their car fall asleep at the wheel and drive out into traffic. Yeah, mm-hmm. they all
3: fall asleep along with me. Wait, why have why hasn't like a TV show if hypnotism does exist or like and it's true why hasn't a TV show done that like like have like a fifteen minute opening where they just hypnotize everyone that's mm. watching it.
0: it? It's a good idea
1: actually. You should do it. That's how uh, the <laughs> Jonestown massacre started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know what? Skype hypnotizing is a way a cult. You could get a group of people to, to sacrifice well, he, themselves. He does do stuff. A crime.
0: He does stuff over Skype. There's
1: probably laws. There should be anti-hypnotism laws for more than small groups of people. I don't know if it works <laughs> like that. What if Hitler was just a hypnotist and he had those big crowds? He's like, fuck hey. it. But
0: well, don't you think that when you're sta- you're on stage and you're killing, when you're locked in, don't you think that's kind of like sort of a mass hypnosis in a lot of ways? Don't you feel like that? I
1: like that I never thought about it that way, but I could see that
0: You know how like when you're in the middle of your material and you're locked in you're tuned into the audience The audience is tuned into you and they're kind of thinking like you're thinking I feel that way when I watch somebody if I watch somebody really good something like I watched Burr the other night He was hilarious, and I feel like when you watch someone is really good You're tuning in to what they do like you're, you're you're in their head like they're in your head, I guess more and, like, you're just kind of a, like an empty vessel, and your brain is filled up with their ideas. Mm-hmm. And when someone's captivating, especially like Diaz the other night, had this fucking Cosby bit that was killing me. Fucking killing me. And when he's doing it, you're thinking the way he thinks. Like, your eyes are open. You're anticipating what he's going to say. You don't have any room in your head for anything else. Like, you're thinking the way he's thinking. He's, got, he's inside your head. He's hypnotized the entire crowd.
1: He's taking you for a ride even if you didn't believe weren't with him now
0: you are yeah He's taking you for a ride. He's taking you for a ride in a lot of ways. He's on the same ride You know, I always feel that way too like a lot of ways I've always said this that when I'm at my best. I'm as much of a passenger as I am a driver Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of have to make the turns and steer the car and figure out which way the bits are gonna go But when I'm locked in I feel like I'm just riding it like, it's, I just have to get out of my own way. Mm-hmm. You know, don't you feel like that? I can understand
1: being on a roll and not thinking, how's this going or what should I do? Just talking. You're as if you're talking to your buddy yeah. you know, in the yeah. back seat of your car.
0: Well, especially your style, too, because you like to fuck with people. right? And so when you're fucking with people, you're coming out of nowhere. I mean, you're just pulling them out of the universe. Yeah. I remember hearing once how
1: important there was an article a long time ago maybe it was in a book about late night hosts and you have to listen mm. and as soon as I stopped trying to think of jokes and just started to listen and trust that whatever I said would be entertaining in some way eventually if I just stay in it and just listen to the other person if, if a funny character is presented in front of me if someone's boring you might have to try to write a joke on the spot in your head but if they're an interesting person, you could just talk to them and eventually it's going to land on something funny.
0: Yeah, that is a problem with some comics is that they're so in their own head that they don't listen to the person they're talking to. I
1: had a lady on stage in Chicago once, so speed roasting the crowd and gosh, she was like a really round person with a crazy yellow mohawk way over the top and she was tiny little thing but built like a... A little mailbox <laughs> with a big mouth and, a, and a, just a funny, funny body. And she came on, just threw herself up on stage, wanted to be roasted. And I was like, uh, he said, uh, a, lot of, a lot of people, I think I said a lot of people couldn't pull off that outfit. And you're two of them. I don't, I don't know what the shit. I'm ruining a great <laughs> with a fond memory. But, but
0: it to, came to you out of nowhere. Yeah, I got to remember the joke. We came to you out of, no- like, yeah, was, you're just
1: listening, and boom, that's the home run that people remember because it wasn't thought about ahead of time. It was just listening to the uh, looking and. You know, when you're roasting people, listening is also looking, like taking a good look at assessing exactly what's been put in front of you.
0: You, uh, when you were doing the prison thing, and you talked to the guy, and you said, "You look like a combination of a child and a child molester." Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, you're the rare person who looks like a child and a child molester at the same time. And he did. You know, he it did. wasn't
0: like. No, he did. Yeah. He nailed
1: it. There, I just say, try to say out loud what people normally would say behind people's backs. Hence the karate, (laughs) self-defense. I do remember early instances of hecklers before I knew anything about roasting. I was just a comedian, you know, usually emceeing, uh, you know, on the road or in Jersey, you know, where we had a lot of characters and in the audience, I remember you know, a few times people taking swings at me or just walking on stage. I was working with Rich Voss at a firehouse. You know, I'd only been doing comedy a year or two, and I opened for him at some sort of fundraiser at a firehouse, and I was about five minutes into my routine. Uh, Saturday night, these firemen are in their firehouse. This is, you know, this is before there were any rules to anything, as far as, you know, uh, and just, just, They kept telling me, make fun of Larry, make fun of Larry, he loves it, make fun of Larry. And I don't know who Larry is. And, you know, of course, Larry turned out to be the biggest asshole on the planet who doesn't love it at all. And he literally was gigantic and walked up on stage and took the microphone out of my hand, put it in the mic stand, and said, you're done. Wow. And I Whoa. just laughed. <laughs> Wow You know
0: was the audience laughing
1: before that? I don't remember. I'm sure they weren't laughing enough, you know (laughs) I just remember it being so hard and it just builds up your you have to have thick skin and you got to be able to like stare you got to have confidence that You
0: know you're you're in the right Well, you definitely would get a little bit more confidence having gone through martial arts because you've done some difficult stuff been involved with a little bit of conflict. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean,
1: I did karate tournaments as a kid and it's like you never feel more alive than when you're competing. And I love when comedy has a little tension to it. it doesn't have to be all about what I think. Uh, sometimes I remember getting as heckling became more and more pre- in the audiences, you just more and more you heard people heckling and Uh, There were famous instances of hecklers and audiences and stuff like that and I said fuck it people are gonna videotape the shows It's so annoying. Why don't I just go one step further and put the audience on stage?
0: Wow, so that's when you started speed roasting
1: interactive. Mm -hmm. I wanted my show to be more interactive Mm -hmm. and I'm still partially like that But I think the audience is a big part of the experience now
0: Well also for you because that's it's your style like, you know, maybe that wouldn't work for some guys you know, with you, it just fits. Yeah. So you do it. Yeah.
1: yeah. I grew up at a catering hall. I like talking to people. I like knowing why they're at my show. Your parents were caterers? Yeah. My grandparents, my uncles, my cousins, me. So you're just always around people? Uh, food, people, dancing. Are
0: you a dancer? Dance Dancing oh, yeah. with the stars. You were telling me that you got your eye fucked up in Dancing with the Stars? I had
1: a scratched cornea on the last rehearsal on the first day of the live show and went to the hospital. <laughs> And danced anyway. It was just I got the lowest scores since since I don't know <laughs> since Larry flint's wheelchair flipped over in season two.
0: So you just couldn't see. Oh, you had an eye oh, patch wow. while you were doing it. Oh, wow. Do look at you. You'll fucking look pretty thin there.
1: Yeah. Well, lose
0: a lot of weight doing that show.
1: I lost about twenty pounds.
0: Yeah. And that... How much does your ego weigh? Your ego's all about five pounds for I sure. I lost
1: that too. <laughs> But I look good. That's Edita. She's awesome.
0: Yeah, you you have to practice every day for that shit.
1: I practiced. I was in the best shape of my life.
0: Yeah, I did. um, All day. I did a dancing scene with Leslie Bibb in uh, the movie Zookeeper. We had to do this fucking crazy dancing scene. And so we had to take dancing lessons. It's hard. It's fucking hard to do. And here's the thing. I don't like it. I love it. I don't want to do it.
1: Do you pull it out? After the roast battle, outside? we have a no, dance I don't to do it party it in the back bar. Sometimes really? Sometimes at the comedy store. Do you dance? We do you all dance off? Danced, Like 30 people Jimmy, why is it
0: 150 there? degrees in here? Any reason? No. Maybe let's see if those AC things work.
1: Here, look. Oh. It's hot as fuck in here, isn't it? I do the whip. I'm sweating. I do the nay-nay.
0: What is that? It's a
3: new dance craze.
0: Oh, the whip you and whipping the nay-nay. and nay-naying?
3: Yeah. <laughs> do, you know it, do you know what it means? It means when you break your leg and you have a cast on and you take off the cast and it stinks like the stinky leg. That's what it means.
0: Get out of here. Stink. All the
3: kids are going crazy. What? You haven't heard of stinky
2: leg?
0: What? Do no. you do? You're you not even on the mic and you're not making any sense. Go put the AC on and come back and formulate your thoughts while you're out there. <laughs> That's Brian. Two I hits don't... in. That's what happens. Two hits in. He forgets he just he just doesn't make sense to anybody but him to him. It's totally making sense
1: This is so fun, dude. <clears throat> Thanks, buddy. Nice studio glad to be on the show. It's comfortable For the right? first time Finally dude. I've been asking you keep saying no Well, you know <laughs> I'm
0: just happy to be here. Dude. I'm, I'm happy to have you here man. It's good to see you We've been friends a long time long fucking time back before you were Jeff Ross. That's right I knew you with your different nom de plume, lift Schultz. Yes, Back in the... What made you change it to Ross? So enough? Well, is enough.
1: Well, technically, Ross is... Well, Ross is my middle name, and I'm still Jeff Lipschultz. When like I, on your driver's license? Certain
0: things. Taxes and shit.
1: And I was on Star Search. That's why you changed it? And Ed McMahon kept mispronouncing my name. It was my first time on TV, and I was so... It, it just threw me. I was so new. I didn't know... It just couldn't handle please welcome your challenger jeff Lifschitz, and I just i'd come out for my three minutes like all frazzled trying to make my family proud i'd never been on tv so now their name's wrong you know so and they also had to use a smaller font on the screen when they introduced me and it made me crazy jeff Lifschitz it took up the whole
0: oh right
1: so on the flight home after i lost i said i gotta do something and i just started using my middle name Ross, named after my great-grandmother, Rose Lipschultz, who was the greatest caterer in New Jersey. It all comes (laughs) full circle.
0: Well, it's good, too, because it's the same letters, Jeff Ross, the same amount of letters, four and four. Bam!
1: bam. And that only started... Solid. Yeah, it feels good. Solid. I like it. Hey, man, it works. And by the way, when I was bad when I was a kid, they called me that anyway. Jeffrey Ross, come over here. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Oh, well, that's perfect then. Yeah. What made you decide to do this thing in a prison? Because that was a fucking risky, ballsy move. Oh, you know, we, we talked about it. Like, Paul Rodriguez had a uh, special that he did in a prison. But uh, quite honestly, he looked a little nervous. It's back in the day. Looked a little nervous. This was many years ago. Yeah. He did a, an HBO special. Lie from so a that's prison. your
1: critique that he looked nervous in a prison, of looked course. A nervous. Uh.
0: This is because you didn't look nervous. Oh well, you, you, you watched carefully
1: out- enough because I was fucking nervous. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can hear myself stuttering and I can see myself shaking. And but you, you were know. pretty remarkably relaxed for the fact that you were roasting prisoners. <laughs> I mean, you were having fun with it, man. It was fun, and you even speed-roasted them on stage. So you turned your back to these fucking guys. Yeah. Like, did you know who they were or what they did? No. You had no idea?
1: No, but I, I thought it would be disrespectful not to do it like I do a normal show. Right. No, so you did I it I didn't perfect. know a lot about them. I just tried to be in the moment and learn about them as I went along, and I learned a lot, you know?
0: Well, You wrote something. Was it for HuffPost? Is that what you wrote it for yeah. and I, I read it and then I retweeted it because it was It was fucking really powerful man. And that's one of the things about Here is I went to a Texas jail to roast the inmates to hear what I learned about incarceration in America And then in the corner is a girl with her ass up in <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Um but it's <laughs> also it wasn't just that it wasn't just this, this article, too, but also the little pieces that you had uh, in the videos where you had, like, the stats. Like, one and out of every 100 Americans is in jail. Mm-hmm. And then there's more black men in jail right now than there were slaves in the 1800s. Right. Like, fucking A, man. It's That's... an emergency.
1: It's an embarrassment to uh, America when you think about that. If that many people are in jail and, you know. It is. The one good piece of... The positive news I saw is that they're commuting some sentences of non-violent drug offenders. You know, it'll only be in the hundreds. That 65 so far, <clears throat>
0: Obama's done, or what I saw the other day in one article at least. Yeah, so enough.
1: maybe there's some hope that, I don't know. I do feel like the, show, the roast helped people talk about it in a way that is a little more accessible because it wasn't something I knew a lot about. And as I started writing, I really just wanted to roast criminals. I thought it'd be funny. And as I started writing the act, I did a stand-up act for months in rehe- in, in just to acclimate myself and in, have an act that would kill in front of people that are locked up right now. I learned so much, and that's what uh, I think is the greater good for me is that Not only did I make them laugh, but I got something out of it, too. I mean, it's embarrassing that we have more people locked up in America than anywhere else in the world. And we're supposed to be a free country.
0: And the the reasons why they're locked up, that's what's fucked up. And also, the idea that, like, someone in this world can't fuck up, you can't make a, a mistake. And if you do make a mistake, then you get locked in a cage. Especially a mistake if you're thinking about someone who's coming from a really poor background, who needed money, took a chance, and sold some drugs. And that's it. And then you're locked in a cage. And that's, a, I'm sure, a lot of the people that you were talking to, a lot of people that you were looking at, they were in there for some sort of nonviolent drug crime. That's right. It's a big percentage of our our, our prison population. And when we were in the parking lot of the comedy store, we had that uh, conversation about it. It's uh it's pretty obvious that it, I don't know if it changed, should it, could I say it changed you, or it certainly affected you in a big way, man. You were, you were really... Uh, Taken aback by it and just the, the sheer numbers and the experience itself
1: Everybody in there is a human being You know you look at those orange jumpsuits on the news or on lockup and people are just getting tossed around and pushed around There's parts of jails that even I didn't get to shoot in you know, there's In the 70s hundreds of thousands of beds in mental hospitals just closed down This is the way we run mental illness in america changed in the 70s so now the jails will become de facto mental hospitals and these jailers have to babysit people that are crazy and that's not what the job is and these places become very complicated to run and we just lock these people away they come back over and over and over like human dust we forget about them if you lock them put them over there, we don't have to think about them, but the food sucks, solitary confinement is barbaric. You know, we should just sort of be talking about, that should be the biggest thing they talked about in that Republican. I hardly heard anything about prison reform. It seems to me like this is an
0: emergency. It does seem like that. Did you hear they put Chelsea Manning in solitary because her toothpaste was expired? They can do whatever they want, it's what? (laughs) I wish I was making that up. Jamie, pull it up. Why? What was the <clears> reason for that? not supposed to have expired toothpaste.
1: She wasn't brushing her teeth enough.
0: So. It was just It'd one of those things where they just... Uh, they had a violation. They fucking hate this girl who used to be a guy. If you don't know the whole story, she is uh, the former formerly artist formerly known as... What was her, the middle original name? Bradley. Bradley Manning? Yeah, Bradley. And uh, he gave all the files to WikiLeaks. And... Uh, Look at this, WikiLeaks source. Manning convicted over magazines and toothpaste. <clears throat> well, what does the what does the, the article say there? Convicted of the, uh, violating the Espionage Act. In prison for providing classified docket. Stop. Sorry. Guilty on four charges. The inmate tweeted, "I'm receiving 21 days of restrictions and on recreation, no gym, library, or outdoors." Manning tweeted. Those four charges included medical issue, prohibited property, disorderly conduct, and disrespect. Well, okay.
1: Can't break the rules. In
0: medicine jail. charge came after officials discovered an expired tube of toothpaste in her cell. <laughs> That's the medicine charge. Wow. So they're just fucking with her. Contraband came in the form of books and magazines, such as a copy of Vanity Fair magazine fe- featuring Caitlyn Jenner. LOL and a copy of Cosmopolitan magazine featuring an interview with Manning. Oh, wow She's not allowed to have an interview with herself, but according to <laughs> Chelsea Manning.org, She received the reading material legally through the prison's open mail system. Yeah, they're fucking with her, dude They're fucking with her they can they're fucking criminals. Just lock that person up and take away all all their rights all all that's any privacy the, any ownership they have over their own body, or even what they want to read—imagine that. Vanity Fair is fucking contraband. You can get locked up in solitary for a Vanity Fair. Fuck. Oh, yeah. Sick. It's sick. And you know, look at that whole thing—the way it went down. That poor guy, um, uh, Julian Assange—he's still locked up in that fucking. He's he's still in that house in the uh, what do you what do you call those things? Embassy. He's still in the who? Ecuador's? Ecuador's embassy? Something like that. Uh, in London, like he can't leave. If he steps foot out of that building, he's fucked. So the dude's not getting any vitamin D. He's not going outside. <laughs> it's super he- unhealthy. It really is unhealthy. Like you really need to be outside. Poor fucker. You can- literally can't walk leaks? out the door. That's mm-hmm. that's yep exactly. But you know what they're saying? They're saying it. They what they're saying is that it's a sex case. That he had sex with a woman, and then in the middle of the night. Uh, He stuck it in again without a condom. It's called surprise sex. Like they were cuddled together naked and uh, He didn't put a condom the second time and I I don't even know if the woman is pressing charges I mean, I don't I don't know what's going on but they were trying to extradite him for that like right Yeah, that's what you were doing. Yeah, right. Like that's why this guy's locked up in an embassy Do you imagine if every time a guy tried to (laughs) cuddle with a chick and sneak it in without a rubber that guy would get locked up in an embassy and behold up there Dude, I'd be the Secretary of State.
1: <laughs> I'd be at every embassy
0: in the world. Are you, <laughs> are you one of those su- uh, surprise sex enthusiasts? I love slipping it in
1: at 4.30 in the Ay, morning. Mm-hmm. I love slipping
0: it. That's, uh, uh, it's not technically rape, because I guess she was asleep, and they had already had sex, and they were you know, cuddled together in this spooning-type position, You know, dick to vajayjay right from behind. I don't know. I'm just making it up, because I don't really know what happened. Nobody knows what happened. He says it's all bullshit. And, but the, the idea that they got this guy locked up for that, and that's why... they No, it's not. It's WikiLeaks. It's the fucking information they released. That's what they're trying, they're trying to get him on a loophole, and we all know it. It's going on right in front of our eyes. It's fucking crazy. It's just right in front of our eyes.
3: That Ashley Madison uh, finally got leaked uh, yesterday, so whoever did that, I'm sure is going to be the next one of these guys if they find out who it is. Oh,
0: yeah. But that could just be a hacker, though. That could just be like the f- the fappening people. They just tap into... What kind of fucking mass cock-blocking nut job <laughs> wants to do that
1: to AshleyMadison.com? Dudes yeah. who aren't well,
0: getting laid. They're like, fuck uh, it. Mean, if I'm not getting laid, nobody's getting laid. Such a...
3: Dick. Yeah, it's out. I saw it, too. <clears throat> and then what's scary is it not only does it have all the names, it has, like, all the information. So they, they leaked the credit card information. They leaked everything. So
0: Did they leak who they had sex with or who they think they I had sex think, with? Yeah,
3: because you, uh, you make an appointment with the other person. So, like, there's all everything in there.
0: Make an appointment. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you're pretty much <laughs> buying an escort.
0: <clears throat> but it's not an escort. No, it's a You're person. using a service. Yep. Did you hear about that Uber for escort app that they have in Germany? Mm-mm. And they're like a Uber for escorts. It's like it's you know it's like like using Uber except you have the escorts. You just fucking look at your phone. You say, "Hey, I want to get my dick sucked," and you put the thing up there, and then really, yeah, and then Boober De- Debbie's on her way over. You know, That's great.
2: Boober.
0: <laughs> that was hilarious when you called out the lesbian in the crowd for being looking like exactly like Justin Bieber. <laughs> It was perfect in the women's jail. Yeah, the women's jail was an interesting one, man, because they fucking laughed hard. They laughed hard. They
1: needed you. it. They did need. They it. They needed it in a, in a whole another way than the guys.
0: What did it feel like? What is the difference between what does a woman's jail feel like as opposed to a male men's jail? Because you don't feel it's like physically threatened, right? The, it's a little no, bit, a little bit, right? I'm sure. No, they'd... I mean
1: it was fine. You know, I, 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 but I wasn't thinking about my own safety. I was more thinking about how to make this the most like a night my instincts were to make it like a nightclub Mm -hmm. treat the women as women not as inmates right and make it the same way i would at a comedy club and that's what i did and they were shrieking with delight because no one had spoke to them as women they're always just yelled at and ordered around and and that came through that they really needed a laugh and to just be girls women ladies for an hour And they wound up being so great. It was a warm-up for me for the next night when I did two shows for the guys.
0: Oh, so you did the ladies first? Yeah. And you said you had a real hard time trying to find prisons that would let you do this. Yeah.
1: We we reached out to 150 or so until finally we found one in Texas. One? One.
0: Wow. And whose decision? Is the warden's decision?
1: There's a few people who have to agree. Wayne Dickey is the jail administrator at Brazos County Jail, and he stepped up and had confidence in his institution and his facility. He wanted wanted everyone to see his staff and how great they were, and to see how uh, his inmate behavioral programs worked, where he incentivizes the inmates. How does that work in good behavior and they get rewards if you do your time without messing up There are huge rewards and one of them was coming to see me. These guys had to behave for one month in order to see my show Oh! and I took that as a huge compliment that so many people uh, Did that not everybody but most of the jail more than half came to my shows and they they were appreciative. And I felt that too. That's why the show came off because not only were they good sports, but they knew what they were signing up for ahead of time because they had a month's notice that I was coming there to roast them. And there were posters around the jail that said, you know, if you can laugh at yourself, you're one step closer to freedom. And wow. they came. And when I asked for volunteers, guys were running down from the balcony. They're not allowed to even be in the same room. It was a communal experience for the different sex and gangs and types of people. You know, it was all dudes and squeezed into this one room with the most dangerous closer to the stage by the door. And the least dangerous <laughs> packed into the rafters. Wow. So if there was a problem, they could handle it. The jailers could handle it. It was very calculated as far as the safety of how it would go down.
0: Did you get your front kick ready? I was
1: I was charging the stage? I was in it, man. I, was, <laughs> I, I didn't want anybody near the stage. I wanted it to be the most like a comedy club I could make it for them.
0: So that was the only time that they were ever jammed into a room like that? Yeah. And...
1: You know, that's a real security concern. That takes quite a bit of planning to take five, six pods of dudes and put them in one room. They can overpower the jailers. They could over do whatever they want. There's cameras in there. I'm in there. So there was a huge trust factor wow. that went on between the jailers and the inmates, myself and my crew.
0: So what kind of security did they have in place in case this shit hit the fan?
1: I did ask... About my security, if I had any special person or way out, and they said, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> which I couldn't believe. At first, I think I took them off guard. They just didn't get to that. But their assumption was beyond me, was there will not be any problems. Wow. So I am no more special than anyone else in that room, the way they set it up, which I respected. There was not going to be a problem.
0: Where did you come up with this idea, and what made you decide to film a special this way? Um, well, I wanted to
1: make it purposeful. I wanted to learn something. Really, I, I wanted to initially think of the funniest thing, which would be crime in America. And I talked to a lot of people. I'm friends with Tony Hinchcliffe, Mike Ferrucci, George Reinblatt, my cousin Ed Larson. We just brainstormed and tried to think of the funniest craziest shit we could do and somehow roasting criminals seem like a hilarious way for me to do what I do face to face you know roasting concepts is one thing or roasting people from behind a desk has all been done and but going to it like getting into something immersing in an environment that's my specialty I love that to me, it's like a corporate gig, you know? You're <laughs> writing a special act for a certain night, then you're never going to do it again.
0: Right, right. And
1: I love that. It's a roast.
0: So that's what you like about roasts. You like preparing for roast. Like, I've seen you at the, st- at the club, the improv, in the store, getting ready, pages and notes. Like, you like the whole event. Like, there's an event coming up.
1: I like the writing. Yeah. The event is the, is the payoff. But you have to enjoy the process. So and you I like, like writing the
0: jokes. So you just like a subject to focus on?
1: Yeah. I like that. Uh, something that, I like, that I'm interested in or curious about or a fan of, you know, it's got to be something meaty, you know? I mean, I can riff if I don't, but it's, if I'm invested in it somehow, like... With the jail, I thought, like, how did I like smoke so much pot and have so much fun <laughs> in my life and never get in real trouble? I sold weed in high school. Like, this could have been me. Yeah, you know, this could have been me. So I got curious, and as I get personally curious and invested in something, I can start to see, find the hypocrisies that go into it, and how the, how how the humanity can be uh, lifted out of it and I started to see that this is a sad place and it's kinda like doing a USO tour. And I told that to the jailers when I met with them. I had to go down there and ask permission a couple times. And they had to trust me, you know, that I wasn't there to humiliate anybody or expose anything that was not just, I don't know. I wasn't, I didn't have an agenda. I was gonna make it real. I was really just gonna go there and see what, see if people had a sense of humor. It was simple. And as I got into it, I realize how lucky i am that i never got in real trouble that i never got busted for anything and that if i had i'm not sure i would have survived
0: well especially if you were selling pot right if you were selling pot you could have got caught and you also could have got talked into selling more pot have you ever heard of those stories like dea agents go undercover and they'll talk a kid into like listen i'm gonna put a deal together you know if you're a part of this there was a, a story that they did in rolling stone about uh, a DEA undercover agent who talked this kid into a big cocaine deal that wasn't real. It wasn't real. There was no real cocaine. But he talked this kid into selling it, and this kid's in jail for life now. Kid was just a low-level dealer. He was selling you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, nothing big. And this DEA guy essentially talked him into doing some gigantic deal that put him in jail for 25 to life and that can happen to anybody. It can ha- I look, I've made some big fuck ups in my life. I've been an idiot many times in my life. I've I've you know, there's no, I don't know a single person who hasn't made mistakes. We all make mistakes. It's but it's whatever the environment is that you're growing up in dictate how bad your situation is, whatever, you know, whatever you were exposed to, and that might be a, a factor in the level of your mistake. So the dumb mistakes that I made with a pretty Uneventful childhood nothing too serious good parents nice folks. My mom's a sweet person You know love my sister. It's like pretty easy life growing up in Newton, Massachusetts Not hard not hard at all imagine Just a much more chaotic situation with the same person living in Englewood, you know, whatever Watts Detroit in some fucking hopeless place where you can't get out And then next thing you know, you're in fucking jail. You're in jail and you're going to be in jail for five, six years. And during that time, you go from being 21 to 26. And now you're getting out and you're fucking, you're a man. And you're you're a convict. You can't get a fucking job. And you're just trying to figure out how to scratch and survive. Mm. It's fucked. It's fucked. You know, it's fucked that. There's so many people out there that just don't get a chance or whatever chance. You, get. you know, and there's a lot of people go, oh, if you just follow the law, but, but get the fuck out of here. That's nonsense, especially when it comes to selling drugs. It just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to these hmm. kids. It just doesn't.
1: And then- I saw guys 18, 19, 20 years old, been already been in one, two, three times. <laughs>
0: And Imagine what their parents are like imagine what their neighborhood was like imagine what their uncle was like or whatever the fuck They encountered from the time they were a baby to the time. they were a prisoner And then the fucked up thing is you just become kind of a human battery Because all you do is you generate money for private prisons Every one person that goes into those private prisons is worth a certain amount of money for those companies and they sell that That's what their that's their business their business is making money extracting money out of prisoners and There's a whole system that's involved in doing it all the way from the guards the guard unions Make sure that they keep certain drugs illegal and make sure that certain laws stay on the books and certain penalties are still in place It's fucked man. It's mm. fucked You know I had this guy on the other day we were talking about and he was saying that one of the only things that like keeps it from getting even worse is that the private prisons And the, the guard unions don't get along like the the guards want certain things that the prisons don't, because the prisons don't want to pay the guards, so there's a fucking, there's a little internal struggle. But if they worked together, it would be even worse. Hmm. Terrible. You could have been a prisoner. You could have totally fucked up, huh? I was in prison, or jail. That's where I learned what hooch was. Well, you went to jail for something you didn't even do. You got, you got... You are, out of all the dudes that I've ever met, out of all the guys that I've ever met who have run across crazy women that get really fucking angry at you when you break up. Mm -hmm. Every fucking girl you've ever dated since I've been friends with you, Mm -hmm. they get furious at you when it's over, Mm -hmm. where they want to kill you. Yeah, I've seen it in person. It's It's not just, granted, you inspire that in some men as well.
3: I uh, I I just date those crazy bitches. <laughs> 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 I don't know what like like I I really uh, I think I'm a, whatever attract my attraction my smell that I like on women is ones that are more entertaining than boring I guess. Yeah.
0: Well, you like those dirty girls too. A lot of times, dirty girls that are involved in naked things. No. Those girls are wilder. They're more fun. You know.
3: I was thinking, like, I want to meet a girl that, that every time she goes to Vegas to hang out with her friends, like, that she sends me a photo that I'm not looking at the wallpaper and then comparing it to, like, Dan Blitzerin's Instagram photos, you know? Like, I'm like, <laughs> wait a second, it looks like the same cup on his nightstand. as Dan
0: Bilzerian. Or, yeah,
3: whatever. <laughs> I just found out about that guy. Like I, I, I'm, i like, the last person. I just went to his Instagram and was like, wait, this is what everyone's been talking about? That's amazing. That dude...
0: He's looks. made millions of dollars playing poker. <laughs> Apparently more than $100 million playing poker. Really? Yeah, but he got all his money from his dad, too. His dad was uh, some famous character, so he's like been rich his whole life. Hmm. Doesn't give a fuck.
3: Yeah, he <laughs> looks like he has a lot of
0: fun. Wait, Jamie, where's those uh, nitros? Give me some of those nitro, nitros. Nitros? Those Poppers? Um, no. no. No, no, no. Nitro <laughs> coffee, caveman coffee, those... Uh. Nitrogenated cold brewed. cold brewed coffees. I'm addicted to those little things. I'm drinking right now. <laughs> They're awesome. You ever have one? Do you drink coffee?
2: Sure.
0: Get one for Mr. Ross. Mr. Ross would like a night. What?
2: Cuz you've been drinking him coffee. you fuck
0: <laughs> Fucking Jamie He drank all of them. I had three of those. You fucking savage. Give him the real one and get me uh, a, a, a bottle of no, water. Just give no, 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 it's okay. That other stuff's the same shit. Just fucking around. He does drink them every day, though, savage. You gotta order some. <laughs> Come on, Jamie. If you're gonna drink them every day, you gotta order them, okay? You fucking animal. Thank you, sir. Do we have any cold waters in there? Uh, what did you think about
3: the whole uh, fat Jewish thing?
0: Yeah, that's what we were talking about, actually, before the show. Um, you were saying that you think that the networks need to loosen up and the internet needs to tighten up. What do you mean by that? Oh, I was just saying...
1: I was just talking off the cuff, but... Thanks, buddy. You know, we're talking about this guy goes by the Fat Jewish on Instagram, and I would follow him, and I'd see funny stuff on there, so I kind of knew about him. I didn't know a lot about how he collected his material. I guess I didn't think about it. Like, most of the 5 million people who follow him, they don't care. They just want to laugh. They're not thinking about anything, you know? And then I started to see that he was collecting whatever he thought was funny I'm not sure i don't know a lot about it but
2: uh, he it was
0: propping real- people's names out he wasn't just collecting things he was actively trying to make sure that he didn't show who created it and he just put it on his page so he didn't give credit to the people that made it yeah that's what the big problem was everybody retweets things you retweet things i retweet right. you do we, someone one of our friends says something funny it helps them when you retweet it, and it shows, first of all, it entertains the people that get to read it on your f- Twitter feed, and it gives that person the credit. It's, it's a great thing. There's nothing wrong with retweeting. I think if he did that, he would have the same amount of people. If he right. really was a true aggregator, like HuffPost. They
1: credit everybody that they use.
0: Yeah, so Huff, what I'm but saying HuffPost is, is, is an aggregator.
1: That the internet, <clears throat> my entire career, like I've never made money off all the millions of clips that are out there, right. You know, millions of views, and people are always shooting comedians comedians get annoyed you know our material you know you see a lot of comedians want to shut down phones at their shows because they don't want their half-written jokes on the internet or they don't want the, their fans to see their material without having to pay for it either live at a show or buying their specials online so i go well, it seems and tv seems restricted all the time so maybe what do you mean by TV's restricted all the time? Well, you know, you ha- in the networks are trying to be edgier, but there's still bleeps and there's still censorship and there's all sorts of regulations. But with the Internet, I always, everyone always explained it as a wild, wild west. You know, you can just do whatever you want. Like all the time you'll see people will make videos and compreels and they'll edit famous movies and you just use whatever footage and no one ever cares. Then now people are starting to care a little bit. They're looking for ways the last five, ten years to monetize the Internet. And it, to me it's coming very close to being how we watch everything. I hardly ever watch TV anymore. And... When I do, it's a big live event. They're just all starting to become... There's no more of the Internet. There's no more TV. It's just programming, and it's different brands, and you go to those brands. So I go, at some point, the regulations for the Internet and television should be the same, and they should be. they should get together, and it should just be... Do you mean as far as set
0: of standards for now on? But what do you mean by standards? Do you mean uh, as far as plagiarism? As far
1: as as, um, the music rights and how it Mm -hmm. all goes down, and the stuff we have to, you know, the residuals and those sorts of things, and how the unions operate on the internet, as the actors and directors and writers' unions, Hmm. uh, you know, the the fees and the rules for the internet are are different. Payment minimums are different for the internet and for for television. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm in the writers' guild and. I don't know. I mean, it's all the same now at this point, and I feel like the Internet needs to step it up, and they should be crediting stuff and paying for rights, and to some extent, I think it's
0: happening, and I think that's good. I think you're right. I think for a long time it was innocent, you know? Like someone would post a funny meme on their Instagram, and no one cared because it was just just people being funny. Like, this this guy's funny. But then... When people start making a lot of money off of it, and then you realize, well, what made that guy famous? he's just an aggregator. All he's doing is collecting all the shit that's online, and instead of the, the actual writers of each one of those individual bits getting some credit, all the credit's going to him. So now what he's doing, what this guy who calls himself the Fat Jewish is doing, is he just puts the guy's name at the end, or the girl's name at the end. So he steals their picture, Puts it up on his site, and instead of saying this picture was made by Jeff Ross, the real Jeff Ross, it now just has an an un just a tag, you know, at and then whoever's name it is, with no mention of where you know like that this person created this originally. It just they just throws their name up there, which is stupid. Like all you have to do is this hilarious meme was created by boom. And Then that person gets credit that person probably happy. They'll get a shitload of fucking people will come to visit them and sign up and follows He's not doing that
1: and I did notice he sort of does it at the end of whatever the new comment is So it almost Mm -hmm. looks like the person he wants to give credit to he's actually giving credit for the Comment in some ways
0: in some ways. Yeah, it's just not it's it's not open. You know, it's just like it's it's reluctant It's a reluctant credit at the end
1: what else is he is He funny i haven't seen
0: i don't know i mean he's a good marketer obviously he's really smart at putting it all together he's and not I
3: mean, he's not by the way he's not even giving proper credit on a lot of them i've noticed like he's uh he's he's saying that accounts like he's saying that that person made this but then you go to their account and they don't have that on their instagram there's a few instances where he's crediting these people that didn't Make it and aren't even active. Like, one of the people ha- ha- hasn't even used their Instagram for like 12 months, and it was just like if you went go through all his photos, it has nothing to do with what he like, why he credited. So, huh. it's weird. Why do you think he's doing that? Um, what the internet is saying, uh, allegedly, I-, I gotta protect myself. I talked to my lawyer yesterday about all this. <laughs> Did <that>. you really? <laughs> yeah, why? Uh, uh, just because I don't want to get s- get in trouble or anything like that. You know, when you have somebody that's Jewish, the first thing you think that you're going to get sued if you talk about
0: it. <laughs> how so. dare you, Jeff? <laughs> just Jeff, as a <laughs> lip schultz, how do you sit next uh, to this uh, guy? Just kidding. Goddamn anti-Semite. No, no. He's just, German, you know. No,
3: I'm, not, I'm Irish. <laughs>
0: Brian Shelley. No, you wrote on your page, this fat German <laughs> is going after this fat Jew. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> now what was I talking about? You tell me.
3: I don't know what was I talking about.
0: Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> um, you were talking about him not giving credit. Oh, real. What the th-
3: internet is saying is that he's uh, that he has a lot. These interns supposedly that mm-hmm. are half the accounts uh, that he uh, credits. So he has his intern mm. take it from somebody else and put it on on his account, and then he credits his intern so that he, it's still in the family. Like he's not, get, oh, you know really? what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So it's
0: kind of like a loophole. That's a big allegedly. You don't have any. Well, it's just about it, this that. is just
3: what the internet. Like, what is the
0: internet? Which which forum uh, are you going Reddit, to? There's Reddit.
3: There's a Reddit uh, forum. Uh, there's yeah, I think both of them are on Reddit. Okay. Um, oh and there's another website that's doing it also. But if you just Google him, uh, there's a lot of message boards that have been talking about him for years, uh and breaking down everything he's stolen and and it's and, and it's a it's, it's very interesting.
1: Doesn't he call himself a curator or something on his Instagram uh, page? Isn't
3: he sort of
0: saying this is what I do? Is that what he's saying? I don't know. I don't know. Um we should say though, because somebody uh posted this yesterday that um you know, we were talking about that girl. She's really funny. Um that uh, oh, yeah. we were saying, what was her name again? Pistol Sherman. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, people said that she has uh, uh, misappropriated people's stuff as well. I don't know how that works though. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's true or not. I think she is. Uh, I think she's kind of admitting that she has definitely put some stuff up that somebody sent her that she thought was <laughs> funny. But I think she said eighty percent of the stuff is hers. But you know what I mean? A lot of people, they're just finding memes that are funny, and they put them on their page. It right. c- it's kind of innocent in some ways, right? That's what I mean. The Internet yeah. is, I don't know,
1: it's for amateurs or something still. we got to figure out how to make it.
0: But how do you, I mean, Je- or Brian, rather, did a great job of actually finding the the original image and finding the time the original image was posted in the day, and that's how he credited people, and that's how he actually discredited a couple of people that, Originally, we're trying to claim that they came up with it first But it was proven that somebody else had, had posted the exact same image the exact same text before them mm-hmm.
3: Yeah it, I, it, It's kind of sucks because if we want reg- regulations if we want to re- Change how it is now what it's going to happen is it's like when you have a YouTube video and it detects uh, mm-hmm. That there's copyright and material in it So now anytime we want to post like a photo on our Facebook or or tweet something We're going to have like a block and we kind of don't want that
0: you can 't fuck with the internet, man. Right. They find you they find you when you when you try to sell them a plate of bullshit, people find you. they just figure it out you can't get away with it. You just can't mm-hmm. do you see the asprey thing?
2: Mm-mm.
0: <laughs> look at this Dave Asprey put up a photo um oh yes, of his stomach of, of a fake a fake photo of stock photo of someone else's abs shredded and said. <laughs> You know, this is my stomach after forty five hundred calories a day and no working out.
3: And it's like, just a stock photo. It's
0: a stock photo, and he's trying to say that his uh, bulletproof diet gives you that. In his defense, if you click on the link, there's an actual photo of his actual abs that Jamie thinks are photoshopped. Allegedly, Jamie thinks they are allegedly photoshopped. Let me allegedly, see it. allegedly. Let me see it, Jamie, you don't even need to see it. Let's not even pull it up. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing. You can't fuck with these people. If you're if you're you know blatantly bullshitting and stealing. They're gonna find you that's gonna find you. that's
3: that's really funny though Like like I said he did that yeah, like I've been working out and just post like that guy has stomach. muscles
0: everywhere If you if you, there was really a way that you can get a body like that guys without ever working out You would have to be some sort of a genetic manipulation. You have to be some experiment That's that's not just abs that guy has chest muscles shoulder muscles It's a guy that trains probably on a daily basis the fact that he would put that picture up. is just so crazy <laughs> <That's> funny <laughs> He's so crazy. Just so so it's fucking nuts. People are out of their goddamn minds. They really are. And the internet, you know, it's going to fucking expose that shit. It just takes a matter of time. So why you got
1: to go see shows live.
0: Stand-up, you mean? Yeah. Fuck I put it. less
1: jokes on the internet than I used to. I put less jokes on Twitter than I used to because I want my best material for when you come see mm-hmm. me live. And that's a much more unique and exciting experience.
0: People get mad sometimes if you talk about something on the podcast, even if you bring up the subject and then have a bit about it on stage. Oh, you were talking about that on the podcast. Like, really? Do you not want us to talk about funny shit on the podcast? <laughs> can, you, can you allow us to come up with ideas spontaneously on the podcast and then talk about them on stage as well? You fucks. Yeah,
3: that, I've done that before. God
4: damn it.
0: <laughs> That's just, you know, they want to know that... Well, they just want to fucking let you know that they're listening carefully. I heard you talk about
4: that already.
0: Don't you think, though, that it's good, though, that they keep you on your toes? I think even with the hypercriticism, like, you you don't want to dive into it. Like, you don't want to just, like, do a Google search on your name, find out all the people talking shit about you. It's not good. But knowing that they're there probably gives you an edge, keeps you sharp. I can see that. I think so. Keeps you sharp.
1: I try not to read the bad comments. I try to stay away from the haters and stay positive.
0: Well, you try hard, though, and you work hard at what you do. It's not like you're slacking off and someone's coming along and calling you on it. If they're saying some mean shit, they just don't like you. They might not like your style. There's going to be people that like, you know, him or like anybody. You know, they like a certain style and they don't like your style, or they do like your style. They don't like somebody else's style. They're not right or wrong. They just have their own taste. No, they're but, wrong. Everyone but you read likes my it. style. <laughs> would you read it though? Some of them are so fucking mean. And why is that? It's because they want you to notice them. They want to make you it block impact people. Sometimes, yeah. They're out just rude and mean. Why? Why would I? what am I argue with them? I don't. I ignore them. I, I don't want even them to block even, them.
1: No, because then they know you saw it.
0: Who cares? Who cares? Why do you care if they know? I don't want them to. But, but they I do. just
1: want them to float in the sea and but not you know. But you did. But you did see it. Yeah. So. Why acknowledge some piece of shit? But then
0: you can just keep doing it. You're going to get Twitter bombed now. They're going to bomb you Real Jeffrey Ross. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: motherfucker. Oh, oh, Jesus oh, Shit!
0: I'm ready. What Sorry. are you going to tell me? I don't already
1: fucking know you, Whoa! motherfucker. What are you going to tell me? Real Jeffrey Jesus Ross.
3: Jesus Christ.
1: they <laughs> <laughs> are so aggressive. Come on. Bring it on. You think I don't know I, I look like Bruce Willis drowned? <laughs> <laughs> bring it on, motherfuckers. I'm ready for some. Bruce, Bruce Willis, Willis wish he looked like you right Roast now. Roast me
0: on my Twitter right now. <laughs> Bruce Willis looks like shit. He wishes he looks like you now. Poor bastard.
1: <laughs> I just spent a week at the beach. This is as tan as I'm ever going to get. You look get. good. I feel very healthy. You look vibrant. Thank you. What
0: are you going to say? I've,
3: uh, I've toned it down more on Twitter than I used to, like making fun of people or, or, or like attacking people, you know, on Twitter. I used to be, I think, you know, back in the early days of your message board and stuff, we used to have like kind of fun, like mm-hmm. having f- online battles with people. You flame know? wars. Fl- flame wars. That's dude. what
0: we used to call it. We used to call it flame wars. Yeah. Those were fun. Yeah. They were fun, but too many people jump in now. There's the other thing is it's not just two people going back and forth. It's a bunch of people that would decide that they're on the other guy's side or this guy's side and jump in. Like you get a lot of that now. There's a lot of what what you you see online when there's any sort of a debate about something is pile-ons. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bunch of people pile on one side or the other. You know, uh, I tweeted something the other day, and um, this guy's uh, he's up for he might go to jail in Canada. Because he's been tweeting at this girl and apparently there was like some agreement that he wouldn't tweet at her anymore But he used to he used to be on her side I think he actually even did some artwork with her But she's like this radical feminist and you know, and she took him to court like she she called the police on him This guy was harassing her like she and it was even sometimes she would write something about him And the fact that he responded to her about him. She was saying he was harassing her which is kind of hilarious Hmm. but all I did was there was an article and a video and uh, I retweeted it because oh, this is interesting. The exact title of the video is what came up on my tweet in the exact same order because I just went to the YouTube thing where it says share and I tweeted it. I didn't put any commentary, I didn't have any editorial control over it. And so many fucking people were angry at me saying that I'm a misogynist and why would I post this? And like, it's a woman in the video, an older woman in the video who's talking about this case. So it's a woman's video. About a woman who's suing a man, and the man might go to jail because the man was tweeting at a woman who didn't want him to tweet at her. This is a, like this is crazy. So but weird. but I looked at the comments, I was like, Jesus Christ! Like the fucking mean people piling on and angry at me. That I tweeted this. I guess you could kind of think that maybe this is my opinion instead of me just sharing something. But I share shit I don't believe in at all. I share. I'll share some flat Earth shit or some Bigfoot shit or any. I, I'll share nonsense. I'll, I'll retweet people that think the Earth is less than ten thousand years old. I do that all the time. This is one dummy that I follow. I I retweet him. Well, I'm, I don't retweet him anymore because I don't want him to know that I follow him. <laughs> but I do. I do read his shit. It's just so ridiculous. Some of his stuff is. So so it's all anti it's either he hates Obama. I wish, wish I remembered his name, Joe up something starts with a C. But he's like one of the dumbest religious guys online. And everything is like either anti Obama or anti evolution or anti uh the earth is, you know, four point whatever they think it is, four point six billion years old. He's convinced it's less than ten thousand years old. And he's a real guy. It's <laughs> not it's not it's not a, it's not a parody account.
3: There's this MTV celebrity. and I don't want to say who she is, but uh, she's always on TMZ, and it's always her being like, "Like, don't you know who I am?" and getting arrested, and really? like, like she's just like this, like, like privileged white girl celebrity from MTV. And I, I tweeted her something because she was uh, recently she hit a cop or something like that, and she's just there drunk, and they're just recording her outside of a club, handcuffed. And I tweeted her something, and it got a lot of retweets, and. Last night I was at this thing and she was there staring me down. I'm like, this is it. I can't do this. She's going to attack me right now. And I was, that's one of those things that I, I, I wish I never tweeted that. Because now she knows, like, I she's an
4: enemy. Yeah, she's an enemy
3: yeah. for yeah. no reason. Like, it was just me like, dude, I should have said that, you know, to myself instead right. of
0: tweeting it. Yeah, you could do that. <clears throat> you could definitely create little enemies, you know, by tweeting something you think is going to be funny. or getting going to get a big rise. Right. And then, you know, you realize, especially if you get high, right? You get really high and you go, why am I doing this? I'm creating mm-hmm. enemies. What am I
1: doing, Just I Jeff? always wait. I always put it in my notebook and just wait till the morning. Yeah. Decide. That's
0: a good move. You but delete? sometimes you got to be on the ball. You got to be the first one to attack. Yeah. Those days are over. Who cares? I, I took two hits today. I went to yoga and was breaking down my whole life in that yoga class. Oh, my God. The things the things, you things you I get upset out? about, things I don't get upset about. Just I need to be nicer. Calm the fuck down I'm too worked up I get. To, I think I'm doing too many things in my life I really think that That's what I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking I'm under too much pressure and stress And even though I'm cool about most things Like there's certain times Where I have a perfect reaction to something Like I always bring up this time Where the guy hit me uh, on the highway In my uh, my car Fucking texting Rear-ended me, smashed into me But I had gone to yoga that day Smoked a little rainfall Felt great. I was loved. I loved the world. I got out. And I was fine. I did, I wasn't hurt. I for, I didn't, wasn't even mad at the guy. I went over to him. And I go, "You okay?" And he's like, "I'm sorry. You know, I just I fucked up." I go, "It's okay. We all fuck up." And then uh, <laughs> I I go, "Do you have a license?" Because I, I don't have a license. He didn't have a license. He was illegal. He's from Mexico. No. And I thought about it. I said, "All right, I'm out of here." And I just bailed. I said, "I'm not. I don't want to call the cops because I don't want them to go to jail." Because look. His car is fucked. His yeah. car was fucked anyway. His car was totaled. He had a Civic and he, uh, he you know, sometimes you, you hit the brakes, your car goes down, like you go under the car. So his car went kind of under my car, lifted my car up and sent my car flying. So uh-huh. my car did not have that much damage. It was only a beam that needed to be replaced in the back bumper area, but which was all plastic. So they just put a new piece of plastic and they replaced the beam and it was good to go. I had it back in a couple of weeks. But uh, I so thought about it. So if your car it. was totaled, you would have ruined his life and called the cops? No. No, I would have had to, they would have had to tow me, right. so they would have known. But I thought about it and I was like, this guy, you know, this guy's, he got saved a shit him. roll of the dice. He got a shit roll of the he dice. He saved him. He made a mistake. I'm not hurt. Like, I'm okay. And I can pay for this. I can figure it out. Like, I'm like, just get the fuck out of here. I said, I'm just going to go. All right, man. Nice to meet you. Took a picture of his fake license you did, <laughs> yeah. yeah, just in case some weird shit happened and he said I did something and you right. know You never know and just get out of there. He Apparently he has insurance I might be uh, I might actually get paid for this But the point being that the way I reacted to it I wish I could react to it like that all the time, but I don't know if I would like if I'm stressed out I got a bunch of shit going on and there's right. a, a fucking you hit this boiling point where you come in on a four or five instead of at a zero you're coming in hot already you know and i was thinking about that while i'm uh, in yoga class i was like there's times where um, my reaction to the thing is not entirely warranted by the situation itself but is more dealing with all the different shit that i've got going on in my life it's too many th- i have too many things
1: this is what i think and this might be crazy but i, I think this is part of the problems with police brutality and some of the mistakes that cops have made is they come in hot. Their job is tough and other stuff's going on. And then you come from one thing to another and they warrant different Mm -hmm. rules and disciplines and, and danger levels, but they coming in not knowing or, you know, fired up their blood pressure. I've talked to cops, especially in New York and Chicago where, they're on blood pressure medication and their families are stressed out and um, their their job
0: is more intense than it ever has been. Oh, it's an incredibly intense job. I couldn't even imagine it. I mean, do you know cops? you, know, you have any friends that are cops? I'm getting to know more
1: and more cops. I've known cops all my life. My karate teacher was a cop.
0: Ha! <sighs> <sighs> so was mine. My original karate teacher was Joe Esposito, Newton, Massachusetts. Ronnie Roselli,
1: <sighs> Newark, New Jersey.
0: A lot of cops learn karate italian cops <laughs> exactly right <laughs> isn't that uh it's just it's I, I just think that the job of doing a cop of doing police work is probably not only is it not for everybody probably too easy to get it's probably too easy to be a cop like some people they don't have the right mentality for it i want to roast
1: cops for my next comedy that's space. a great idea that's a great
0: idea find
1: a great precinct. Idea. it's not easy
0: Oh really? I think LA would let you.
1: Yeah, Burbank. Definitely. Burbank would let you <laughs> totally. for sure. I think Burbank's <laughs> going to tell the story, but maybe I don't know. I might do a bu- I might do a bunch of precincts.
0: Yeah, coming in hot. So I figured that out in yoga class. I just figured out I got, I need to do yoga more. I need to do something every day before I go out and face the world. Every day, blow off I some spent, stress.
1: I spent some time
0: in. At
1: the beach lately, and that can also help. But that's fuck
0: yeah. Why do you think people at the water are so mellow? No, all beach communities are mellow.
1: It's just so relaxing, man. It's also humbling. Did a week at the Jersey Shore and a few days in Malibu, and
0: it just we had uh, some shit fixed in our kitchen, and uh, so I rented a house for a while in Malibu. I would never, I would never buy. I don't think I'd buy a house like on the water. I think it's fucking crazy. That waves come in. You never know when they're going to come in. I went out. Out.
1: I went out at night by myself down to the water. It was Scary. dark. Scary. <sighs> you just, I felt like you're having a trust with the ocean. At any minute, it yeah. knows. It could just swallow you up, but instead, just creeps up to your feet and just says, Hi. Well, it's just I was like, st- bam, at any second. A rogue wave. House
0: that had two floors. And one floor was above the water, looking down. But the first floor was like the water would go right under the fucking bedroom. Like you would see the waves come in and you would hear them crash underneath you. And it was dark and I'm looking out this window and I was high as fuck. And I was looking out this window. I was like, oh my God, this is crack. I can't sleep here. I was like, this is nuts. And I know that this fucking building's been here for, who knows, 10 years, whatever. And I know that a lot of the houses have been there since the 50s. There's pictures. It's like there's a, one of those restaurants down there that has these old black and white pictures on the wall. But when, you, when you're there at night, it looks like a monster. In the day, it's like this beautiful friend. In the day, you look out there, like I'd have breakfast, and I'd sit down this little table, look out the window and eat eggs. I'm like, God, this is amazing. Look how beautiful it is just to be, this, like, next to this alien world, this beautiful alien world. And I'd see sea lions or seals or whatever <laughs> the fuck they are and birds. And Occasionally, you'd see a fish splash around. But, like, this is so beautiful. But at nighttime... Goddamn, terrifying. Yeah, but it's humbling. I think that's one of the reasons why people that live in beach communities are so nice, because you you just look out and it just smacks you in the face with "you ain't shit,
1: dude." It is so like that. I was thinking you could. I was holding a glass of sparkling water, like Perrier or something, out on the beach by myself, and I half done with it and I just tossed it down into the ocean. You just think that's it's such a great equalizer. This fancy cup of Perrier thinks it's so fucking important and high and mighty you just drop it into an ocean. It's nothing. It's just <laughs>
0: nothing. It makes no impact. <laughs> nothing. You know all beach communities are filled with mellow people, right? Pretty much. I've never heard of an aggressive beach community. Long Beach? Nah, that's like Snoop Dogg's neighborhood. <laughs> Architects,
1: builders, contractors could spend 10 years building a skyscraper, the most beautiful. People will never stare at it the way they stare at the ocean, which is just yeah. there, floating, splashing.
2: Well,
0: it just gives you this feeling of like, this, it's a d- totally different world in front of you.
3: All right, Jersey Shore, no one's cool there, right? Like thats They're, like- are, they're not even <laughs> paying attention to the water, they're just doing
0: steroids <laughs> and fucking Dant de- Dant de- Fish Pump. <laughs> what happened to that? How come that show went away?
3: I don't know. We shouldn't bring it up. <laughs> Hurricane Sandy. That's what did it? Oh yeah, that's right. Did it? No. Yeah, no. that beach is
1: fucked.
0: No, people just got tired. They just it's got... bouncing
1: back. I was just down at the Jersey Shore. A lot of construction happening. A lot of activity. A lot of people out having fun at the
0: boardwalks. It was it was great. Yeah. Can't wait to go back. You, I used to do gigs out there. I used to do gigs for Bob Gonzo. I we was on vacation
1: had... down there. I didn't even really? do a g I didn't get on stage once. It was the beaches are beautiful and the weather was perfect. The water was just as warm as it is here.
0: Don't people have a bad opinion of the Jersey Shore though? Don't they think of it as you go there, it's just a bunch of orange Guidos yeah. F- yeah. fucking it's and not like shit out of each other. It's not
1: like that. Maybe maybe it's evolved or maybe that was just a show showed it in a bad
3: light, but it was great there's well, that show This Old House they just did, they did a long special about rebuilding the Jersey Shore and it's mm-hmm. really interesting I didn't I, that's what I thought also it was just like this like Myrtle Beach spring break thing the whole time yeah. no, it's very beautiful there
0: well my uncle lives there my uncle lives on Jersey Shore he just sent me uh, some driftwood he's an artist he sent yeah. me some shitty it looks like
1: the Hamptons or any fancy beautiful beach it's, it's back it's Doesn't bouncing back
0: doesn't Artie have a place down there? I was there last weekend. Yeah, I saw a picture of you guys together.
1: And he has a beautiful uh, house right on a lake. I mean, he has the dream. He has a, a lake? You walk into Artie Lang's house in the Jersey Shore, and if he didn't tell me he lived there, I would think, like, Mary Lou Henner lived there or something. <laughs> it's immaculately decorated, perfect nautical-themed white pillows everywhere there's no chance and he's like yeah my sister's a designer she did everything <laughs> I'm like, <"All> right.
0: <laughs> so does he stay there all the time or sometimes
1: i think he's there most of the time and he has his whole man cave with all his thurman munson themed um, memorabilia he's just the best
0: and he's got a place in manhattan too is that how he does it? i think
1: it? he lives a place in new jersey at like hoboken right near manhattan oh
0: that's right yeah yeah yeah
1: Hardy can't leave new jersey
0: that's hilarious.
1: No, literally, he has, like, a bracelet on his ankle. <laughs> <laughs> he,
0: got, he, he got visibly upset when I told him that I don't follow sports. Like, you could see him. was like, what? <laughs> like, like, I was less of a man in his eyes. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you could see it. There's guys that are fucking crazy sports fanatics. When you tell me you don't give a shit about sports, the only thing that saved me is I'm actually a sports commentator. Right. So I'm ki- kind of, you know, I don't fall into the hippie, hipster... Whatever category that he would hate the most, but he was he was disappointed in me as hmm. a man. Really,
1: that's <laughs> strange. But I guess he does nut. love
0: sports, man. Loves yeah. it. Well, he had that sports show that he was doing for a while with Nick DiPaolo I'm getting more into it.
1: Sports. Doing a fantasy football app.
0: Get the fuck out. Quick of Quick draft. An
1: app comes out in a few weeks.
0: Really? Yeah. You're producing an app?
1: I'm like the voice spokesman of it.
0: Look at you, you Making fucking. Making funny animal. videos. That's a good idea.
1: Play fantasy football and talk shit with your friends.
0: Do you know football? Do you understand yeah, it? of course. Really? I
1: played high school football.
0: Yeah? What's that guy's name with the giant arms, Jamie? You know that? Popeye? What's his name? Uh, LaRon Landry.
4: <laughs> me down.
0: Do you know who he is? I'll show
4: you a picture. Do you know yeah. who he is? I think so, yeah. Leron Landry.
0: You obviously don't know. Like, Jamie knows it. Maybe you need a man like Jamie on your team. Oh, okay. Huh? Well, yeah, he knows, this fucker knows a lot. Look at this guy's arms. He showed me this yesterday. Oh, Jesus. Get the fuck out of here. What is that? He said the dude's been busted a few times for steroids. I said no way.
2: It's he's obviously. Steroids. I didn't no, even get the, the shirt
0: on over that thing. He just does it. Shirt scared. Shirt just goes <laughs> over. Okay. Okay, man. Jesus Christ. Wow. Scroll, scroll up. What is that one with him holding the camera up he's got the phone up to the far right ear yeah, at that? What the fuck is that? Jesus Christ. That is an enormous human being. They didn't even make people like that 100 years ago.
4: Yeah, he's a safety, too, so those guys are tend to be a little smaller than, like, a linebacker or a lineman.
0: <laughs> How much does that guy weigh? How tall is he, rather?
4: Uh, I'll find his stats, but...
0: Yeah, find his stats. If, if he, It depends. I mean, he could be, like, 5'7", and he'd still be 230 pounds Wow, built like that. He's a fucking giant. He's beautiful. You like it? Six feet tall, 220. He's just an ape filled with fucking testosterone and fury. God damn that's an athlete That's about as strong an athlete as you get human beings they're they're like you know You would have made a great slave auctioneer back in the day (laughs) (laughs) Look at him that way Well, we're all apes. I'm an ape. You're an ape. We're apes it's what humans are. I'm just saying the way you break down a person's <laughs> physical appearance. That's what I do. I'm i I'm a sports commentator. If you remember, <laughs>
3: full of thick testosterone. That
0: guy's a fucking. That is a silverback. That's a silverback gorilla. Look at the
3: yams on that guy.
0: I mean, you you'd never had a human being that was built like that a hundred years ago. This is an entirely new era of humanity. Like, you look at those Greek statues, those were exaggerated. And that was the best they could imagine <laughs> in their head. Those guys are pussies. Every one of those g- Greek guys. those guys, <laughs> They look like they barely work out. You know, like, the, the, the biggest stud Greek statue. Like, how does it compared to this guy? Not even close. Yeah, show me a Greek show statue. David. Show, David. show me, like, the best Greek statue. Zeus? Like, the most muscular of all the, the Romans or the Greeks. It's just some fucking animal. I want to see what it looks like, because I guarantee it didn't look nothing like that, dude. They just didn't even know that people were capable. Small like, dicks at these. back then, also. Well, that's actually pretty big. That guy's pretty yoked. He's pretty studly, except for his little cock. I wonder if people really did have little dicks back then, or if they just made them have little dicks so that everybody... Looking at the sculptures didn't feel bad, because <laughs> like, look at that guy's dick. It's That's an slow. enormous man with a fat guy's dick. <laughs> <laughs> that is like a mushroom cap, and the guy looks huge. That looks like the Hulk. Uh, I take Geiser. back everything I said. I take back everything I said though, because that guy's giant. Yeah. Look at the. Mu- is that real? That guy's back. That's. Is that real? Come on.
3: Yeah, they're really fit, man. That's real. That might be from a computer.
0: That doesn't seem real Show to me. David. For some reason, that th- we're looking at this guy's back, that is insanely muscular, and it's a sculpture. But his ass cheeks are a little too big, and he's holding something in his oh. hands.
1: Are you gonna play your Nick Jonas, Guilfoyle? Yeah. G-
0: Come <laughs> on, look at the muscles on that guy's back. <laughs> he, he looks like Wanderlei <laughs> Silva when he was fighting in Pride.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. See that guy? That. that guy's a pussy. Hi guys. That guy looks like a bitch. Condos. Yeah, it looks like he never done a squat in his life. None of these guys can make the NFL. No. No fucking way. Not with the, the athletes they have today. I think we all agree that the NFL athletes are the most impressive athletes in all sports, right? Can we agree on that? As far as like horsepower about what they can do, mm-hmm. the, the sp- speed uh, coordination, right? W- we all agree. And I, you know, obviously I work for the UFC. I think UFC athletes are incredibly impressive. But as far as like... What they have to be able to do. A UFC athlete has to be able to fight. If it's a championship fight, you have to be able to fight five rounds, five minutes each round. You just can't do that if you're built like an NFL player. You just can't. You can't do it. It's not possible. So that is a bodybuilder, though. Yeah. That's totally different. That's modern. That's a modern bodybuilder. Like that guy, you, that guy could never fight in a UFC match. He would never, I mean, unless he won in the first 30 seconds, which is possible. That's the only way he'd be able to do it. He just wouldn't have the juice. There's no way he'd have the capacity to fight for five rounds. There's just no way. Are Too current much muscle.
3: Are current statues, like new statues that are made today of naked men, are their cocks the same size it's or are they question. bigger nowadays? That's
0: a very good question. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> start your research. Let's go look. Let's like,
0: go look what, for giant
1: cocks. What's cox. the latest
3: of on uh, naked? Is your statues? show always just
1: homosexual? <laughs> uh... yeah. yeah.
0: Yep. At least see. a lot of rumors. Times are changing. At least Great. a lot of rumors. But... What, what do I look for? That new statue. New or... black <laughs> cock. Just Google. Yeah. Just do black. Olive cox. Garden you black cock seven. <laughs> you
1: guys, uh, ever eat anything around here? Are you what's hungry?
0: Don't yeah. you? You are got you? some
3: jerky? We got some jerky. No. I don't want what do you want?
0: Oh wait. We give you some food but if you talk into the microphone while you're eating everyone's going to be mad at you. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Ross drove through traffic. Did you Uber on the way over? Did you uh Yeah, I feel uncomfortable at all. Why? Or, did you ever get a, an uncomfortable Uber driver?
1: Oh, I I mean it's only annoying when they're, you know, they want to talk to you about, you know, they want to come into the show like uh, uh. <laughs> or like I only hate it if you're on a date, because then you have some other dude just listening to your bullshit. Oh, yeah, and really uh, yeah.
0: you're trying to get some? Thanks, dude. Those uh, cashews that? are very yummy. All that oh, stuff's that. good. Those bars are great. Oh, it's yeah. pro Horror. bars. Those are the best. I won't make any noise, but if I Don't do, worry. I'm Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Don't worry This is about fun, it. man. I'm having a good time. I'm glad you're here. Enjoying the vibe. Um, You're at the roast battle pretty much every week when you're in town, right? Yeah. That was uh At Jim Carrey last night that was the first place that I went back to when I uh came back to l a uh, or came back to the Comedy store the Rose battle It was one it, of the reasons why I did it it's a movement it is a movement right It feels like it it feels like like I was talking about this on the message board today someone was bringing up uh I, it might have been trolling. I might have got sucked into a troll. We was <laughs> just talking about the old days. Guys used to uh, borrow each other's jokes, and you know, it was like a, a tighter community back then. It was like, man, I don't know about all that, but I think this is the tightest community ever for stand-up. I think this is the best time ever for stand-up comedy. I really do. As far as far like, I love that. Yeah, it's like I love it. Years. I just
1: did Montreal Comedy Festival. I'm hosting Oddball starting next week, and I love comedians. I yeah. do these festivals because I love being around comics. Yeah, it's like a religion. I feel like it's a. Re- I feel like I'm a comedian before I'm anything else. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree with you. You always want
1: to see comedians, hang out with comedians. I remember going to a Christmas party once. <laughs> At Al Roker's house, I if I should tell this, but... Go ahead. And it's very fancy Upper East Side Christmas party for charity fundraiser thing. And I walk in and there's like a, you know, people, all tuxedos, taking your coat when you come in and very handing out hors d'oeuvres and big, beautiful home, fireplace, Christmas music. And I look over at the people, the coat check people. It's like two, three people just sitting there and Chris Rock. Like he would rather talk to the coat check people than these fancy people. He was so bored. And then, and then I walk in. He's like, he ran over to me. He's like, oh my god, a comic! I can talk to a comic. This is so great. Yeah. He just comics need to talk to comics.
3: Yeah, that's how I felt last night at this party. It was just like super, Samsung. Yes, yeah, I went to this cool Samsung party where uh, asap Rocky and uh, performed, and that was really cool. What is that? Uh, asap Rocky. He's a musician. he's good. Yeah. He's what one kind of music there. is uh, that? Uh, uh, yeah,
0: rap, rap. Okay. I love bad bitches. That's my fucking problem. Really? I love bad bitches. That's my fucking problem. That's the Jeffrey awesome Ross team song.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was, you know, super Hollywood douche. Like I, I hate those kind <sighs> of people. Was it? Uh, it was like in a studio lot where I think right next to Oprah's building. Uh, so <sighs> I don't know what studio that was. Some weird studio lot. And it was this humongous party. It was awesome. Uh, Samsung was showing all their new phones. And uh, I didn't want to talk to anyone because everyone was like beautiful models and just like, you know, I was just sitting there like this is gross. Then I see Steven Glickman uh, across the, the room. I'm like, ah, I love you. And I'm just, like, give him a big <laughs> hug. It was like the best day of my life just because I saw a comedian yeah. that I knew.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've been in that situation before. It's cool. Those yeah. situations are cool when you, you know, you have that camaraderie. You run yeah. into someone that, you know, yeah, the old days, baby. I used to uh, do uh, news radio, right next to uh, Greg Giraldo had a sitcom for a while, and Giraldo sitcom right Common next line. to him. On, yeah, they would be right next door, and uh, I'd go out hang with him. We just hang out in the parking lot and shoot the shit. But it was always like, oh, "You're not even an actor. <laughs> you're a comedian. We're comics, right?" We talk about it, and he talked about how frustrating it was because you know trying to do his show his way, all the producers and every the you know, the network and all the jazz that you have to deal with when you're trying to put together a sitcom. <laughs> it was like, you know, I That's just remember cool memory. Yeah. There was a few guys like Lenny Clark. Lenny Clark was also on the uh, set, on the uh, lot rather. Because wow. he was on that show with John what the fuck I want to say Lithgow, but it's not Lithgow, it's Larry the other Kett. guy. Yeah. Larakette, <laughs> yes, thank you. He was on that show with John Larakette. The John, I guess it was called the John Larroquette show. show. And uh, I used to uh, run into Lenny. You know, just run into Lenny. Hey, what the fuck? How are you? Yeah, I'm doing this fucking show with this cranky bastard. Because Lithgow would fucking scream at everybody. We'd watch the closed circuit monitors and <laughs> Lithgow would get mad. <laughs> you guys remember your fucking lines? You'd get crazy and shit. Crazy. But, you know, you run into a comic, whether it's at the airport or anything. It's, it's, a, it's a nice thing. It's, We're beautiful. always on the
1: move. Comics in an airport on a Sunday or a Thursday?
0: Yeah, that would be a good show. Just comics running into each other at an airport.
3: A podcast you just gets randomly connected with another comic that just happens to be at the same airport. (laughs) Well, if you did
0: that, you know, like for real, if you wanted to do a show, say like Dallas is a big port, there's always big ports, and you set up a podcast studio in that port and Mm -hmm. said, you know, we'll be here
2: (laughs) (laughs) from 9 a.m.
0: We're going to be here (laughs) from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Let us know if you're coming through and, Uh, you know, maybe you can schedule your layover. You could create a, a studio
3: in one of those like lounges like the American Airlines. Lounge, and then you make can it ha- like the USO mm-hmm. for yeah. comedians. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah,
1: hey, comedian, stop by. You know, the, the comedy lounge, the and, and celebrities. And, you know what musicians. you could do by you gate could... by terminal by by gate sixty seven
0: A. Here yeah. we are. Like, you know what you could do too. You could have one of those. You know those massage places where they rub your back. You have those. You sit in those chairs that your face goes first. Right. You could do that. Like we'd sit next to each other and get a massage, talk some shit, <laughs> have the microphone looking <laughs> up at us as yeah. uh, those uh, Asian ladies are rubbing your back. Just make it. That's, <laughs> That's
1: awesome. a great
0: idea. It's not a bad idea, yeah. like to to just have people let, that are at, on a gig. Right. Like where are you going? Uh, someone's gonna uh, take
1: this. Here's the idea. It's okay. You do like, you do uh, like, women have like a little spa where they get their hands and just do it for guys. Like
0: a guy spa. Yeah. But you don't want to get you want to get your hands done.
1: No, you don't have to. Maybe do that, but other get stuff. your toes done. Did you get, get a, a back rub? You listen to you know, whatever.
0: I don't yep. know. Play some ping pong. That wouldn't be bad if there's a spot where you could go and hang out, like a bar, like a little. You know, the comedy store has that private bar. Yeah. You could set something like that. I danced there last night. Did you dance? It's so fun there. Yeah. God, Chew, don't worry about it. He's like <laughs> holding back. He's doing very well, though. It's you know me to go this long without eating. It's <laughs> really? Not, What's that about?
1: Is, when I get off stage, I'll do an hour, hour, fifteen minutes. When I'm headlining, and I literally will have. They'll still be clapping, and I'll already be halfway through it. Chicken salad on pita bread. <laughs> really?
0: Yeah. And if you have a second show, you'll do that. You'll eat in between. I always eat
1: before the first show and in between the second show. It's really? crazy. I just need food all the time.
0: I can't eat before I go on stage. Oh, if I do I, it slow, I can't go
1: on stage if I'm hungry. I lose my mind. Really? I, I'm too mean. I lose I'm just. Wow. Jeff Frost is a little cranky. It's not fun for me, but I think it's still funny for the audience because I used to have an old girlfriend. who Used to say the crankier I was, the funnier I was. Like if I got really mad, it would just be so funny. That's
0: what she likes. She likes you getting dirty. Yeah. Put pants
3: off. <laughs> yeah, I I, I try I try to eat before, and I just fall asleep. I, like I I, mean, I feel like I'm really tired on yeah. stage.
0: You got to digest that stuff. Yeah. Like you would never eat before you fought. You'd never like have a sandwich and then go fight ever so like because you wouldn't have all your resources your your body There's a certain amount of your body that would be breaking down your food, huh?
1: I guess but it's
0: not quite the <laughs> same as telling jokes for an hour Not quite the same, but the energy level won't be the same your, your energy level like you you won't have as much resources dedicated to like have you ever gone on stage dehydrated that's a problem Mm.
1: that's bad. That's harder for me
0: when I did you've just been drinking too much coffee. You haven't
1: slept haven't had enough water I was in Disneyland
0: all day once all day in the summer. It was yeah. like July. It was bad It was fucking hot as shit, and I was there with my kids and we would stay the night there You know you get a hotel room at the Disneyland hotel and the whole deal and, you know, you're, you're fucking going through the park. It's hot as shit. There's a million people. You might not drink enough water. And that night, man, I hit the wall. I did two shows. And the first show, I pulled it off. But the second show, my fucking head was throbbing. Right. And I was thinking to myself, like, I'm really dehydrated here. This is not good. Probably one of the worst ways to be on stage is to be dehydrated. Your brain just doesn't work right. It just yeah. doesn't fire. I told,
1: I had that in Iraq. I got dehydrated and couldn't after a bunch of shows and traveling and not drinking enough water and over caffeinating to make up for not sleeping and being nervous that was what happened it sent me to the infirmary to the medical tent in the middle of i think it was al-assad or fallujah jesus with christ with an iv bag.
0: how many times have you been over there a couple yeah you like it
1: i'm not sure what you mean
0: well you were saying that you it's a pretty straightforward question
1: I love going to Iraq. It is so much, especially <laughs> around my birthday when I can really party. <laughs> you were saying that the, there's some great clubs in Al Assad.
0: You were say, you were saying that doing the prison was a lot like doing a USO gig,
1: in that you're bringing laughs where there normally aren't any, and it's yeah. you know politics and all that, and whether people deserve a show and all that. You can just put that in. A, Aside for a second as a comedian just going in and that challenge of making people laugh that are miserable. I love that You know, I feed off that. Yeah, remember trying to make my mom laugh when she was sick and stuff, you know, just I love that challenge of trying to break somebody who's Just a little frozen
0: hmm You like a little, little little run uphill. Yeah, Jeff Ross. Yeah
1: I remember Being early in my career seeing buddy Hackett perform. I didn't know him But I knew his son, Sandy, and Sandy let me come uh, by myself at the end of a run in Atlantic City. And Buddy was there the next day, so I stayed an extra day to see the Buddy Hackett show. It was kind of a late afternoon, early Sunday show. And I remember Buddy, right out of the gate, saw some lady taking notes. She was a reporter, and he didn't know about it ahead of time or whatever. He called her a cunt right in literally the first forty-five seconds of walking on stage, and just the whole audience—you
0: no taking cunt.
1: Yeah, she was mortified. She tried to say, "I'm ah, from the so-and-so Herald," and he just wouldn't hear it, and he just called her a cunt, and wow. he just put a really weird vibe in the room right out of the gate. And you know, eventually the show, you know, went on, and and it was amazing, and I, but. Literally a decade later, buddy became a very close pal, and it, and I could ask him anything. And I said, "You'd never remember this man, but like ten years ago in Atlantic City at the Trumpet Castle, or whatever, some lady, you know." He's like, "Well, I go, I go. Why would you do that? Like right away, just for no reason, just what was ha- could you imagine what might have been happening in your head, buddy?" And he's like, "He's like, oh, I do that all the time. I like to dig myself a hole just to make it interesting." <laughs> <laughs> Just to see if I could dig myself out of the oh, that's hole. That's
0: great. <laughs> it does make it interesting. Do you do that with new bits? I do that with new bits sometimes. How do you mean? I give myself, like, a pause and a new bit. I give like myself, like, a fucking dead end <laughs> where I, f- I have to come up with some way to get out of it. Yeah. Like, I'll lull myself into it. Like, sometimes you, you, uh, Tommy Segura has his best... Uh, the best uh, description of like when a bit is not that good, but you kind of jazz it up and make it good, you try too hard. He calls it <laughs> dance moves. You know, uh, like I'll, I'll have a bit and I, I, the way I used to say, it, I said, I used to call it English, like English on the put cue a little ball. English on ball. It. Yeah, you know, it's spinning around too much. I'm like, those balls are spinning around too much. There's too much English on this fucking set. It's just too much nonsense and jazz, you know? But Tommy had a better expression, dance moves. And that's what kind of what it is sometimes. Like sometimes a bit. It's not that good. Like it's it starts out kinda good. You have an idea and you're trying to figure out which way to take it, but sometimes you jazz it up too much with performance but not enough with substance and you just gotta try to figure out what's the what's the line between those two things, you know how
1: to it holds you up sometimes when you know you got something and you're developing it and you have a couple of tent poles that maybe you won't need once the whole thing's built. Yes. It's like a it's like a Scaffolding
0: yes, that's how I describe it the same way I was having a conversation with Tony Hinchcliffe about this because uh-huh. there was a subject that it was a little He was doing a subject that was kind of mean And I said you're dedicating a lot of time to this bit that I know you don't really think like this Like you don't mean this right right and he goes no and I'm like, but what if somebody has this disease is in the audience and they and they hear this or someone who knows somebody I Go you're taking all this time and creativity and you're putting it together with something You don't necessarily believe in And I said you got to think of a bit as like a subject is the scaffolding and then inside that scaffolding you put all your material and that's what you're doing You know and when you create a new bit Sometimes you do have those dance moves sometimes you do have those and sometimes I'll just chop them down and leave and I'll start it out good, and I'll just hope there's a pathway that opens up in my brain when I'm in the moment and contemplating the bit where I know there's a lull there and I know I got to dig myself out of the lull, maybe I'll find it. And I don't find it. Sometimes I don't find it. You know, sometimes like, sometimes you'll do a bit three, four times and you're like, I'm ready to abandon this motherfucker. (laughs) And then, boom, something pops up and you're like, oh, this is it. Oh, this is it. Or you go back to it. Yes. Or you go back to it. Yeah, you take a little time off.
1: Yeah. Put it aside. You know what else I noticed? I don't think this happens as much anymore, but you'll have a bit that you're not, when I was beginning, this is good for beginning comics. You have a bit that's okay, and you know you you kind of like it, but it doesn't quite work. Then I went back to old notebooks, or it just came back to me one night. I'm, and when you become a better performer, and you can sell a more a different type of bit. It's more in your new voice, or you're, you can just sell it better, or you know the English better, like you say. And you go back to an idea that you you weren't ready for.
0: Yeah. Like maybe you didn't see the, the way out. Right. You didn't see the pathway. Or I like it didn't how fit you fit just...
1: with your bullshit act that you were doing when you were starting.
0: Yes. I like how you're doing this right now with a fucking mouthful of food like a squirrel, but you're completely professional. You tuck it all to the side, chipmunk <laughs> style, and you didn't chew once on the mic. Brian yeah. Callen can learn from you.
1: I've been doing this a while. <laughs> this is my first podcast, Joe Rogan. Do you have a podcast? No.
0: How the fuck is that
1: possible? I, w- I don't know. I could barely um, work a garage door opener. This would be really hard for me.
0: Just get somebody like Jamie or Brian to do it.
1: Sorry, I don't have a fucking remodeled garage that I can put up three pictures of Elvis, Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> and I'm still trying to figure out Rosa who Rosa Parks. Uh, Rosa Parks, really? Yeah. Okay. She was hot. And
0: no. I- no. What are you, crazy? <laughs> no. No, you're just crazy. Now this we know your crazy. type.
1: Let the record show. <laughs> Al-Qaeda has the same decorators as the Joe Rogan studio.
0: Really? Just, They're into Rosa Parks?
1: Just saying. Pictures of...
0: I found out that Hendrix is not the real fucking Hendrix mugshot from Toronto. Oh, yeah. Sons of bitches. Wow. They sold this to me in Hawaii, too. That's a, a iconic Jimi Hendrix photo that they stuck on the actual writing... From when his mugshot was. So I bought the real mugshot. Jamie, do we have it in the back? I don't know. Don't worry about it. Um, I got the real mugshot from Hendrix, so that will be replaced with the real one. Interesting. So in the, my yeah. new studio. I'll take it. Oh. You can take oh. it. Actually, this I'll is all
3: very cool. Thank you. Um, do you know a YouTube star, or have you ever heard of a guy named Joey Grass-a-fa? Grass, This guy right
0: Grass-a-fa? here.
3: Uh This guy right here. Nope. Uh, so he is like this really super popular, famous YouTube star, I guess. And there's this guy named Brock Baker, a uh, really funny comedian and writer here in Los Angeles. And he makes these really funny videos called Angry Man. And he did this thing, and he talks about this YouTube star because he has a book out. And and if you read the back of the book, uh, what it says on the back of the book cover, it is one of the most creepiest things ever. The guy's 24, and all his fans are like young kids, like like. Eighth grade to like 13, 14, 15, you know, kind of like the Twilight kids. That's his fans? That's his fans. And he's 24. And he's 24. Uh, If you read the back, Jamie, do you have it pulled up? Because it would be funnier if you (laughs) check this out, Joe. Read this right here.
0: It's not where you begin that matters, it's where you end up.
3: Go ahead. Uh, 24-year-old Joey whatever has captured the hearts of more than 4 million teens and young adults through his playful, sweet, and inspirational YouTube presence, not to mention his sparkling eyes and perfect hair. This is like a book about him, and he has this on the back of his cover. Anyways. uh, Yet
0: Joey wasn't always comfortable in his skin. And in this candid memoir, he thoughtfully looks back on his journey from pain to pride, self-doubt to self-acceptance. I think that's an important message.
3: If you just Google this guy's name, the images that come up is some of the funniest shit ever. Because he he really does, like, he's in love with his hair.
0: Okay, so you just made another enemy, just like you said. Oh, no, so man. you're going to run into the next Samsung party, you're going to see this fucking guy, he's going to want to feed you your teeth.
3: It's so funny, though. I, I I, don't know. Just look at the YouTube videos. It's hilarious. He's you, really addicted to his hair. Why did you do
0: what we talked about earlier and just write that down and think about whether or not you want to talk about it <laughs> Well, tomorrow. I'm not really
3: making fun of it. It's, oh, yes, look at you his, are. He really likes his hair, but all his pictures on Google are just perfect hair, like this okay. like crazy Johnny Bravo hair. Never mind. It's okay. Good look at it. It's funny.
0: I'm not going to, but thank you for your suggestion. <laughs>
3: You're, you're going to look at it later.
0: Jeff Ross, what do you got going on, man? Besides Oddball, you got some gigs coming up? University of Rhode Island's coming up. I think it's you're in doing September. Co- that's interesting. You're doing colleges still. hmm With this fucking big backlash lately, the kids are saying that everybody's too politically correct to do colleges. Yeah, well... Seinfeld doesn't want to do colleges. Chris Every Ross now and then, I do. find
1: a really cool college.
0: Yeah? You think so? University of Rhode Island's a good spot? Yeah. What's... uh? It's, do they let you do anything? get away with anything there? I haven't been given any restrictions do you feel like k- kids are a little bit more sensitive these days though that's the like people that's are. the knock. I feel like people are more sensitive do you think they're more sensitive or do you think they have the opportunity to complain more? both I think it's become you know the egg before the chicken and the egg
1: because <clears throat> I don't know' How's it? I think you, people are just looking for things to everyone feels like a victim. Everyone sounds like a victim all the mm, time. I yeah. I'm offended or how do, am I how to see this or how yeah. am I to hear that or you know I mean, They found
0: another guy faking black. Have you seen that? No. Have you seen that? Another guy part of the Black Lives Matter that my, <laughs> I
1: feel like people have been doing this forever.
0: Yeah, it's, but these are like activists that are doing it which is kind of adorable. Right. It's on Breitbart young man named sean king there's another uh, fake black guy what you know the rachel dolezal she claimed to be black but she was actually white she said she identifies with black you know mm-hmm. that they found another dude who does the same thing Wow. and he's a part of the black lives matter
2: oh, god. <laughs> oh my
0: god really <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting i mean he looks really really white and but he has that kind of creepy mustache that some black guys can pull off there's his dad his mom's white as well. There's photos of him as a young kid, totally white, but talked about his struggles of being an African American, how he was always bullied, and throws a lot of pictures up against that are black and white. And here's the thing, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a white guy that works for black. He tweeted, Lives "I love Matter. my
1: blackness and yours." <laughs> Look at that. Did he said? Yeah. Oh my god, that's
0: awesome. Well, he's got black sunglasses on or glasses. Oh, what is that? Is that me? Oh, I hate those goddamn pop-ups.
1: I feel like I'm colorblind. I don't even see... I don't even assess people's yeah, race man. right away. Me
0: neither, man. I'm <laughs> fucking completely colorblind, man. It seems the
1: human like the area, natural right? progression of the way people think. Just <laughs> weird weird people like this are going to crop up.
0: Well, well, this guy that I really like, uh, Milo ynopoulo i 'm not exactly sure how to say his uh, his last name correctly but it's nero n e r o on uh on Twitter and uh, he's a fucking funny writer man and he's a really good speaker too he's hilarious on these uh he does these interview shows and he's uh he's always like saying logical things and having logical arguments against feminists if you uh if you like google some of these milo ynopoulos and they can't Fucking say anything about him because he's gay and he has blonde hair and he's super articulate. So, because he doesn't look like, you know, like one of the guys from Jersey Shore, he's not like, you know, a lot of these guys that are representing men's rights, they kind of look douchey. You know, they kind of look like bros. He's gay. So because, And he's open about it, and he's fabulous, and he's got a great vocabulary, <laughs> but when he's, when he's describing, or when he's d- giving these arguments and debating, rather, these women, he's crushing them. Because he's like, was talking about diversity in science, and he's like, well, the cold hard truth is, uh, it's not that women are discouraged from doing science. It's that a lot of them aren't attracted to it. Men and women have different states of mind, and boys and girls, when they're young, if you give them like equal access to toys, boys naturally will gravitate towards like trucks and cars, and girls will naturally gravitate towards dolls. It has nothing to do with it. Yeah, here's here's one of them on Sky News: Why men are better at chess. Listen.
1: Look at him. How do you feel about being called different because you're hardwired differently? Uh, I'm sure it's not something you've uh, failed to hear before. It just seems to keep cropping up. Is it necessary?
5: It's just, it's ridiculous. It's, it's 50s thinking, you know. I mean, it's just so ridiculous, this biological determinism. Frankly, you know. Interests and talent and, you know, passions for particular topics, subjects, sports, <laughs> arts, whatever, like, they're not relegated to either gender, but unfortunately, because of some stereotypical thinking, often one gender is encouraged to pursue, you know, a sport or an art more so smart. than the other. And, and actually, bullshit. when you look at um, my colleague at The Telegraph, Radhika Sakani, she wrote an, a piece just this morning speaking to, um, like, young girls who play chess, and actually like what she found out is that they're dropping chess. out at the age of 12, probably because, you know, they're not encouraged or, you know, there's... They a don't want to play chess, maybe. ...telling them that it's not for them, it's not cool, etc., etc. So, you know, this hard-wired brain stuff, like, it's, it's, it's retro sexism.
4: No, listen to what he said. So Milo Yiannopoulos, <laughs> he's does he massive... Smiling and laughing. men and women are wired differently, have different skills? No, it doesn't matter in the sense that they are equal but different. But it simply isn't true to say that there is no difference whatsoever between the aptitudes of men and women. And it is um, without question true that there are some biological differences between men and women, and we know that from our anatomy. Um, but we also know it from experiments uh, that we do on young children before they've had the opportunity to be socialised, the sorts of toys that they go for. And that holds true actually other bits of the animal kingdom as well. Some of the reason why girls drop out um, of STEM subjects at college and and uh, chess clubs is because they keep losing and one of the reasons they keep losing is that it does seem to be the case that chess as a game plays to some of the male intellectual virtues and when Simon Baron Cohen talks about these, the way he describes it is um, men are good at systematising and women are good at empathising and there is some reason to suppose that that may have some uh, basis in biology. It's very trendy these days to say that everything is socially determined but that's not what the science says and it's not either what common sense says because if it were true these Days, there would be a lot more representation of women in the sciences, in astrophysics, in philosophy, in mathematics, and in chess. But there isn't. Boom. So,
0: ready? Does that does okay. that make sense? That's does, that's that's done. That chick should just go home. <laughs>
2: she
3: just pooped herself.
1: Just
0: go home because it's true. That's just the idea. It's, just, it's not saying that men are better or women are better, but the idea that there's no difference between us and it's biological determinism is bullshit. That's just ridiculous. So, that dude is hilarious, and he's the guy who busted this guy. He's the guy who uh, had the article in Breitbart about this guy who's actually white, who pretends to be black. <laughs> he's great, though. I love his writing. I love listening to him talk. The guy's just, he nails it every time. That's Dude's hilarious. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he'll be on soon. He's gonna, he'll be on here in a couple of weeks, working something out. Hmm. Jeffrey Ross is here now, though. And now he's had some food. I Expertly eaten off mic. There's- nobody would know anything yeah, if you didn't call me would out, know by anything. the way. Well, see, I would have been all
1: carved up and rejuvenated. I love and, what
0: you did. I love how you handled it. You did it professionally. You guys
1: got to watch some fucking bullshit about shit I don't care about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you care about?
1: I fucking What do, do you think about chess?
0: Trump? What do you think about Trump?
1: I feel like he has uh, Charlie Sheen writing his material. <laughs> 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 We're a nation of losers. We need to be winners. <laughs> Winning. Yeah. If he wins, I said this at the comedy store last night, if he wins, uh, it's proof that there's no Illuminati in this country.
0: Or he's a part of it. Or he's a
1: part of it, but that seems unlikely.
0: That he's a part of the Illuminati? Yeah. Why would they want billionaires in the Illuminati?
1: Yeah. He's rogue. He's on his own. He's fucking crazy. I've huh? roasted him a couple times. Yeah? It's a good sport. He doesn't show it, but he is.
0: Really? What's he like as a person? Uh,
1: he's engaging. He likes to ask a lot of questions. He About likes About Mexicans?
0: Listen. No, nah, we were on a
1: pleasure trip down to Mar-a-Largo on his plane, me and Bruce Smirnoff. Really? Quite
0: a while ago. Must be back in the day. I haven't heard that name in forever. He was very doing? generous.
1: he. Bruce Smirnoff. Yeah, Bruce and I on, on Trump's plane. I remember the Donald. This to be in the 90s. Yeah, something like that. No, early 2000s, I think. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. So you're chilling on his plane. We go down to Mar-a-Largo. We have, uh, Where's that? We in palm beach florida donald trump's golf country club facility there very fancy very beautiful and mm. he gave us a cadillac bruce and i to tool around with for the weekend i did a show on the saturday night donald brought me up himself really not an easy crowd i wouldn't think so you know very formal you know the whole thing But bunch of
0: creepy one percenters on adderall <laughs> but uh very
1: very elegant and in the end, very appreciative crowd, and I roasted him at the Friars Club once, and I roasted him on Comedy Central once. I remember him not laughing at all for like three comedians, and then I went up to him during the commercial break, and I'm like, "Donald, you have to at least smile so we have something to cut to, other than other people laughing at you." And he's like, "Oh, okay, I get it now." <laughs> so he started smiling and enjoying himself a little bit.
0: That's hilarious. That's a, what a what a weird guy he is, huh? Oof. He's in a strange... There he is right there.
3: Yes, <laughs> nice and orange.
0: Yeah, what's the orange all about?
3: He wears a lot of makeup.
0: Is that makeup or is that like spray tan shit?
3: <clears throat> From my HDTV, it always looks like caked on makeup.
0: Yeah, he's, he's got the original kissy face. Go back to the other picture. That's a kissy oh, yeah. face. It's a puss. Mm. He's got a puss
3: on. Sour puss.
0: Mm. But there he doesn't have it. So what is he doing there? Pouty. Mm. That's pouty. Hmm. Mm. Donald Trump. Do you think it's possible that he could win? How close do you think he's going to get? Oh, man. He's kind of of a shoe-in for the Democrats, is what he is. What do you mean? Because a lot of people that would vote Republican are going to vote for him. If he stays in, if he stays in, it's going to make things, especially if he goes independent, which is totally possible, right?
2: Yeah.
0: If he goes independent... He could be Ross Perot in this motherfucker. He could, uh, Ross Perot sunk the ship of Herbert Walker Bush because everybody was torn between who to vote for. There was the libertarian people that would have maybe possibly voted more fiscally conservative, so they would have gone with the Republicans. And instead, they went with Ross Perot because he was laying it down, how the taxes were and what, what the fuck was actually going on, whereas uh, that, that, like, opened the door for Clinton. What do you think about Bernie Sanders? I like him. I like what he's saying about education and I fucking hate when people say, you know, yeah, that's great. We're going to have fucking people being educated on my tax dollars. What about my tax dollars? What about war? Don't you know how much more it costs to go to war than it costs to educate people? Don't you think it would be better if we had less people that were uneducated in this country or if we had less people that were leaving college in fucking massive debt? If you're a kid, okay, if you're 18 to 21 years old, which is most people that are in college, you don't need to be saddled down with hundreds of thousands of dollars in education debt. That's fucking gross. It's gross, and it's stupid, and it speaks to poor management of our civilization. That's what I think about our situation in America when it comes to colleges and the amount of money that kids get straddled down with, saddled down, rather, with debt. They're fucked. You know, especially if you go, if you talk to someone who goes to medical school. Jesus Christ. Right. My friend... Was, he was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt before, uh, he, he, before he left uh, medical school. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Just fucked. Like, it takes you forever to make that money because you don't just make the hundreds of thousands of dollars. You've got to make a living, too.
1: And incentivize you to deal with the system <coughs> the way it is and not adapt
0: to some new yeah. health plan in this country or whatever. You've just got to get your nut. Well, it becomes a game becomes a game, just like the cop thing we're talking about, the cop thing. Cops, it becomes a game of convicting people, going after people, convicting them, getting the win, getting the victory. Well, with doctors, it becomes a matter of getting people to have surgery. I had um, a, a friend of mine tell me, he used to, when he was 16 years old, he was working as uh, like a... On like some vacation resort you know he's working as like somebody who works at the resort and he said he overheard these fucking doctors talking about talking someone into getting an operation and they were going cha-ching they were just talking about how the you know I talked him into getting this and that means I get this and like they were talking about it like a guy was talking about selling Chevys hmm. It's like, in, in these all doctors, That's they were together. So just like comics would get together and right. shoot the shit, doctors get together and shoot the shit. What did you do? I told him to get a fucking fake knee. <laughs> <laughs> giving each other knuckles. And he goes, it changed forever the way I thought about doctors. He goes, I, I left, you know, I didn't work there anymore. I, I never thought about doctors the same way because of that conversation those guys had. I would have never been privy to that in any of the circumstances. But a few guys sitting around at a resort having a couple of cocktails, Getting a little loose with the lip. You found out what they were really all about. It's because they're fucked. They're fucking. They're 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 fucked. Not just with the amount of uh, money that they have to pay for uh, their education, but also malpractice insurance is crazy.
1: My cousin is a surgeon. He was in practice in New Jersey for years, and said, "Fuck it, I'm going to work for an emergency room where I share." And it just took a lot of pressure off him in his life, and I think he got happier and probably just became a better doctor.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I think it's A lot about of responsibility, a lot of,
1: red, you know, constant work to run the practice
0: and yeah. protect yourself. It is. It is. And, you know, people do, do need to be protected. I mean, there are doctors that fuck up. We, we showed that lady who got her feet fucking amputated and her hands amputated. Wow. And they fucked up. She, they, they literally amputated the wrong person's feet and hands. You this see the, is fucked up.
3: You see the Sarah Silverman uh, Bernie Sanders video. She did a speech for him, and really? it was really powerful. And it, she and it's really cool that she did that because you know uh, Bernie's somebody I think a lot of people, younger people, uh, would like also. Like because on Facebook, a lot of the younger people I'm friends with. Uh, are always posting Bernie Sanders. Why are you
0: friends like, with little kids, man? The fuck's going on? Like, talking six-year-olds. No <laughs> <laughs> But did you see the uh, the giant rallies that he's put together in- including one in uh, LA? There's like 18,000 people seeing him yeah. in LA. That's great. Well, they, he gives you hope that there's some someone that represents uh, a more open-minded a more uh, current point of view I think and I think you know there's this fucking, like, Ted Cruz and all these people that are running, and you're like, you're like ooh, like, is this guy, you, like, you look at them and you go, this guy can't win. Can he, Can he win? Like, you, you see guys like that, and you go, oh, come on. Is this real? Like, Chris Christie. Is that real? Can he really win? Like, you, you get more standoffish and scared by, by it than anything. He
1: had to run because of all the scandals he had. Otherwise, it would have made him seem guilty. Really? That's what I think. You think he had had to run in order to go. Everything's fine.
2: Yeah.
0: That's an interesting way of looking at it. I'm from New Jersey. Yeah. It's me, too. I was born in Newark. Me, too. Shut the fuck up. That's crazy. When were you born?
1: 65.
0: Mm, You're older than me. 67. August 11th.
2: September 13th.
0: Jesus Christ. Basically two years apart from each other, pal.
2: Here
1: we are.
0: Same hospital, maybe. What, What hospital?
3: Beth Israel? Is that the
0: name of it? I don't even remember. I was hoping you would say something. i go, that sounds like mine.
3: Yeah.
0: I'll have to ask my mom.
3: You guys didn't go, like, know each other at all?
0: We met each other in New York in, like, 1990, maybe? 91, maybe? Probably. When did you start? What year did you start doing stand up? Uh, April Fool's Day, 1989. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I started um, in 88, August 27th, 1988. Where was that? Stitches, Boston. <laughs> And uh, I made it to New York somewhere around 90, 91. That's probably when I met you. We'll, well meet I was it.
1: Backing up at Catch a Rising Star.
0: Aha. Didn't we meet at uh, Boston Comedy, maybe? Probably. Is that where we met? Yeah. I would
1: host there and do spots there. And it was a great
0: little spot, wasn't it? It was good. That was a great little spot. That was one of those really tiny rooms. Like, that was a 90-seater, like, maybe? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Did it even seat 90?
1: Probably something like that. Maybe a little more. In the village? I'm going to say 120, but it could be crazy.
0: off. crazy. Let's say hundred. Yeah, it was a great little spot.
1: Charlie Barnett, There's a cool article about him in the New York Times last week. Charlie Barnett, who died of AIDS. Sad, sad, sad story. But he was the king of the park in Washington Square Park, and he would go on at that Boston Comedy Club and the Comedy Cellar.
0: Well, he would do a lot of sets uh, out on the street. He would do shows on the street. He would throw his hat down. And uh, Dave Chappelle used to... Like he learned from him, right, Chappelle used to do uh, a lot of shows like that where he I saw him do it in Montreal. We did a show at club soda, remember club soda yeah, it's still there, yeah it's they called it something different now, wasn't uh, it? Is it I think so, anyway they did uh we did a show at Club soda, and then outside, Dave just starts just like gather around, gather around, and he starts doing stand-up. He, he was got like, all
1: that from Charlie, yeah, Dave and I both lived on the sides of that park, and we used to watch Charlie all the time and then I think when Charlie Passed away. Dave kind of took over that mantle in the fountain on the weekends, and sometimes during the week. And he really found his voice, I think, in that park.
0: So you guys used to go and watch Charlie perform in the park for hours and just hang out with him.
1: It was great. It was, you know, you had to get your work done back then. We lived in small apartments. There were no cell phones, and you weren't. You had to do whatever you were going to do. If it was an email or phone call you had your phone in your house and you went and did all that you left messages and got messages and you went out and when you were out you were present in the moment and you were loving every second of it and Dave and I would hang around Washington Square Park and try to talk to NYU girls who were studying and whatever we could do and find some weed and we would brainstorm and write jokes and we'd eat lunch in the park and listen to music there was always uh, the acrobats were in the park and And Master Lee, a karate comic, would come. And (laughs) Charlie Barnett, this guy that was just hilarious, would, you know, like you said, he would jump up on the fountain and, Showtime! It's showtime! And all his jokes are real simple, and he could work the crowd. A homeless guy walks by, he had a joke. Japanese tourist walks by, he has a joke. He'd mimic him, you know. And, you know, uh, it was a great show for anyone. 8 to 80 rich or poor, even if you don't speak English, you're laughing at Charlie. He was so physical and funny, and and it was a great time. I remember there were riots in Los Angeles. It might have been Rodney King, and we got warnings in New York to be careful. There might be riots in New York, and Charlie walked me home. He's like, yeah, I'm going to have your N-word, walk you home. <laughs> you know, he was just real endearing, and lo- I loved him. He
0: was well, great. he was supposed to do Saturday Night Live, but apparently when he got there, they realized that he couldn't read. Yeah. It's kind of a crazy story. You know, I mean, they he was like a hot comic. A lot of people wanted him to do things, but he didn't know how to read. I don't know. He
1: was super, super funny.
0: It's interesting that he had that style, you know, and that that style influenced a lot of people. That style of like doing street comedy, you know, just gathering a crowd out of nowhere.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I never had the guts to go on outside like that, but Chappelle watched him and watched him and watched him, and Charlie sort of bringing him up every now and then. He'd let him do a few minutes, and eventually, Dave, that just became one of his chapters. It was amazing to watch. Charlie was loud and his jokes were really short. Dave was more soft-spoken and his jokes were longer. So to see that in the park was fascinating because the park had to come to Dave a little bit. And you really saw, at least I really saw, having hung out there every night, that every day, you know, sometimes Dave would do a few couple shows on a Sunday in the park, and he'd make real fans and he got a real sense of who he was right there doing that i mean it was magic to see uh, a young genius in the middle of the public just being him and having the public come to him gravitate to him uh it was once in a lifetime thing to see that's
0: cool. I got a chance to see him perform at Catch Rising Star when he was—he might have been 18. Mm-hmm. I think. How old is Dave now? Don't ask. Look on the fucking computer. He's I'm asking 45. you because you got a computer in front How of you. How old is Dave Chappelle?
3: 45. How old is Dave Chappelle? Dave Chappelle is 41.
0: Okay, oh, so he's six years, seven years younger than me. So that doesn't even make sense. Because so, I was only like 23. How how's that? Is that true?
3: Maybe he didn't
1: get. it. Is that
0: it right? Forty right? one. That doesn't make
3: sense. He's forty two because he, he was born August twenty fourth, nineteen seventy three, and I was born in seventy four, and I'm forty one. means he turns. Well, that's 42 five next days
0: week. from yeah. now. No, but it was the twenty fourth.
3: Nineteen seventy three, though. Yeah. So he's yeah. forty
0: two next week. Next week. Next week he's oh, forty two. I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got mad. Damn it! My math skills. Uh, so, uh, so if he's 42, um, I must fuck, man, that doesn't make any sense. I guess maybe I was too, so he's six years younger than me. So I was, uh, man, that seems weird. Cause I was really early twenties. I was like 21 or 22 at the most. I was 24. They was doing
1: comedy as a high school student.
0: Yeah. I guess he was 18 and I was 24. That, that makes sense. Now that I think about it. But uh, I got a chance to see him at uh, Catch Rising Star. I was like, "Wow, what a precocious young man!" He was like so advanced for his age, mm-hmm. and he was uh, a lot like um, uh, Tony Woods. Mm-hmm. Remember Tony Woods? was also from D.C. Hilarious Course. guy. I think Tony and him probably both, worked together. They yeah. worked
1: together. I think Dave will fully admit that he was influenced by Tony. Tony, they were you know they were good buddies. I think they still are.
0: Yeah. Um, But you always had this like love for the older comics Mm -hmm. like always I remember that like you were one of the first guys going to the Friars Club And I was like look at Jeff. He's in his fucking 20s. He's hanging out the Friars Club I have a love
1: for all comics and that's where the older comics were and they had they were smart I learned a lot Just about how life works, not just show business. That's obvious. You get to talk to an older comic about show business. But I would talk to Buddy Hackett for hours about guns and pussy and politics (laughs) and travel and food and booze. And he knew everything.
0: Isn't it weird that there's a club, Friars Club, like a dedicated comedians club?
1: Comedy, show business. I see politicians there, musicians there, agents, lawyers. Is that
0: still going on? Oh yeah, thriving.
1: The Friars Club on Fifty Fifth Street between Park and Madison in New York City.
0: So it's not just comics. No, it wasn't always just comics. No,
1: it's well known for the roasts, so comics are identified with it. But it's a fraternity for show business, basically a show business themed
0: club. And it's in New York and in L.A.? No, it's and only in New York. Only
1: in New York. It was in L.A. for a long, long time, but not anymore.
0: When did it, uh...
1: When Milton Burrow died, it kind of died with him.
0: What year was that? Ten years ago, I think. Hmm. Wow.
1: Did you ever meet Bob Hope?
3: I never met Bob Hope, and that's a... I met him once. What was that like? I, I was just a kid, but he was very nice. He, uh, he was golfing, and I was at the Memorial Tournament, and, uh... There was this huge crowd of people, and he was just walking by, and he just looked over at me for some reason, just walked up to me, and goes, "Hey, kid," and he signed my uh, uh, like little paper thing, and then just walked away. Didn't take anyone else's like photos or or uh, sign anyone else's shit. He, I didn't even do anything different like he just came right up it was weird
0: well back in those days there was not that many photos because you yeah. didn't, ah, didn't have a camera on right. me when i met bob hope right everybody's yeah. got a camera on them well, now back then
1: you got i met honey youngman henny youngman when i was a little kid and he gave me a card and i still have it i mean i really? kind of like
0: that you carry it in your pocket you you just pointed you would just reach for your wallet like you still oh, have it yeah no do you still have it
1: no i do but not on oh. me. it was a music note with his name with his autograph
0: music so cool. note.
1: yeah he played violin in his act, so he had a music... Take cover. my wife. Take my wife, please. <laughs> he was a funny guy. He, he, his picture is still hanging up at the Friars Club by Leroy Neiman, a beautiful painting. There's no, it, It's like a living, breathing mu- museum of show business.
0: But there's no place like that in L.A. anymore. No. Too bad, huh? Yeah. Or there that many old comics that are still kicking around in L.A.? Well,
1: you know, there's always an, an old comic, you know? You, know, you know. It might not be from the Dean Martin... Friars, you know, Celebrity Roast era, but there's always a new old comic.
0: Have you ever seen some of the memorabilia they have laying around the store from back when it used to be Siro's and Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis used to perform there? I haven't. Oh, you got to go into the office and see some of the cool posters and that old Ciro's sign. It was Bugsy Siegel's joint. Pretty wild. Fuck. Well, that's why everybody thinks it's haunted. They think so many people were killed there. Hmm. There's a tunnel in the back of the comedy store. that Did they close it off? Is it closed off?
3: Yeah, it's closed off by concrete, I think, right?
0: Something. Yeah. I don't know. But there was a tunnel that went from the comedy store up the hill to a house that like people could escape through or they could fucking move shit to. You know, the comedy store is just filled with catacombs, and it's just fucking so clustered right. and confusing. If you don't know your way around that place, if you're some cop and you're <laughs> looking for Meyer Lansky and you fucking... Just skirts out the back and
1: I've seen bullet up the holes hill. and stuff.
0: That's what it looked like. Wow. Yeah. Go big screen on that. Fuck, man. <clears throat> look at that. That's the main room, man. Holy shit. Wow, oh How God. weird is that? Because you kind of recognize it a little bit. <clears throat> Looks like Jessica Rabbit should come out and start singing. It's probably what it did back then. Or some facsimile. Mm-hmm. Whoa, look at that. That's what the stage looked like? Maybe sh- That might not be the same place. That seems off. Yeah. But the other one was Ciro's, That's right? That's
2: it. Look at that. Yeah. Wow. That's a store. stripper.
0: Who is the girl? A stripper. Stripper Lil St. What was her name? C-Y-R. Lily St. Cyr, C-Y-R. How do you say that? Mm-hmm. Performing at Cyros nightclub. A stripper at Cyros. Wow. How weird.
1: Great. Look at these old ladies watching this. Look at it. Looked like scroll (laughs) down.
0: Look at the photo down. Look at that. That's the fucking front of the store, man. That's nuts. That, that is, is cool. nuts. Look at that. God, it looks so similar Fraser to what it looks Smith like. Smith still now. drives
3: that car. That's crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a cool old car, man. Those cars are worth a fuckload of money now.
3: And that house isn't there anymore, right? That's where the hotel is,
0: mm-hmm. to the right of it. Or, yeah, chopped yeah, chop weird. that bitch down.
3: But that's definitely the store. Look like, at
1: the
0: patios there. God. It's all intact. Look at the signs. Sammy, Sammy Davis, Davis Jr. Jr. Wow. Who's that guy? Will Mastin? That was his dad. Was it? Yeah.
1: Really? His uncle. That was his uncle that he he worked
0: with. with? Wow. Look at that. Everybody pulling into the front. Fuck. That's crazy to see. It's crazy to see a place. That's the fucking back parking lot, man. That's the side area. Jesus Christ. That is so weird. It's so weird to see that place like that. Wait, so that's where the belly room is right here? I think. Isn't it?
3: And there's stairs going down that
0: way. Yeah, I mean, doesn't that look like the corner? It does, kind of. It looks totally like the corner. And so I guess there's a sign in the front. Or is that the front of the building?
1: No, no, no. That has to no, be the marquee. The front.
0: That's the front of the building. Yeah, that's the yeah. front. They just, It just looked way different. It was just set up way different. Wow. Weird. It's amazing. There's so much history in that place. That place, it feels like, like comedy musical chairs, too. Because it feels like the music's going to stop. And everyone's going to be really sad. Because when Mitzi dies, who knows what that place is going to become. What is, who's that guy? What the fuck was that? What was what the hell is that? What is that guy doing with his dick? Is he throwing a girl up in the air? Yeah. Oh,
2: okay.
0: <laughs> he's got his hands over his dick doing voodoo. He's barefoot. That guy's barefoot. And he's throwing that woman in the air. Wow. It's crazy. I wonder if anybody's ever done a documentary on CROs. Hmm. New York doesn't really have a club like that, huh? They don't have an old club. Like what's the oldest club in New York? Comedy Cellar? But that's like the 80s, right? No. 70s? They, yeah. 70s? That's pretty old. So Cellar is the oldest place, you think? I think, think so. A comic Strips has been there a long time, but nothing is like this. Catch was great. That was a great I little love room. It there. That was a great little spot. Man, this is freaking me out. These photos are zeroes. Now, you, you go back and forth. You go back and forth from New yeah, York to L.A. Yeah, I'm in
1: New York and L.A. I'm bi-coastal.
0: So you just have fun. Just do whatever the fuck you want.
1: Well, I mean... You kind of
0: live in a dream, Jeff Ross. Things are good. But you kind of live in a dream, you know, the way you do it. You just I, I see you taking pictures. Like, there was a picture of you the other day with Ray Romano in the cellar. And then, boom, all of a sudden, you're in the, at the store. <laughs> you know, like, you just hop back and forth. And Ari's doing that, too. Yeah. Ari's your doing that, too.
1: I like it, man. I like, you know... You make the world smaller and i don 't know I, i'm happy in both places. I like to move around i like every I like life on both i don 't know I'm Where do you like performing way.
0: better i don't
1: know i don't i guess generally I like New York as a city, but I have all my friends out here and
0: i don't know do you keep an apartment out here
1: I have a house here,
0: so you have a house here and a place back there too yeah Look at you, you fucking animal I love it Motherfucker. I like it. Pew, pew, pew. Whatever happened to The Burn? What, what happened, Comedy Central? Why, yeah, they didn't fun. make
1: it after two seasons.
0: That was a fun show.
1: Yeah, so fun. Fucking love that.
0: But you'd be tied down. Then you'd have to stay here. That's all right. That's I would
1: have right. done it for that. Had all my buddies there working. It was awesome. You got anything going on right now? Working on the next special. I'm going to roast cops.
0: Right, you told about, talked about that earlier. I'm going
1: to host the Oddball Tour with Amy and Aziz. And I'm on Kingdom. A couple new ideas coming up. Things are good, man.
0: It's good to see you, buddy. This is so much fun, dude. You seem like it. You seem overwhelmed. What do you mean? (laughs) 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 Nothing. He's just very low-key.
3: Very low-key. Did you ever meet Steve Martin? Uh, No. Never met Steve Martin.
0: Is there a comic that you want to meet that you haven't met?
3: Oh,
1: boy. I never met Woody Allen. That would be cool.
0: What do you think that conversation would be like? I'd keep it about comedy. Yeah, you'd have to. If you ventured into girls, it would get a little weird. <laughs> not Start really. Start getting
1: exactly. sweaty. That would probably, that'd that'd probably like be ideas. a fun conversation. You think do. so?
0: You
1: think yeah, would open I think up? So. I think he would. would he would you? open up to a comic before he would open up to anybody else. Yeah. Don't you feel like you'd just tell Woody Allen everything? Me? Yeah,
0: definitely. Pull him aside. <laughs> yeah. I feel
1: like he'd be very open-minded.
0: Maybe. Who knows? You know, it's all dependent on who you're listening to. If you listen to me or Farrell, no. Not so much. <laughs> you know? But he's obviously a creative genius. Obviously, but you know,
1: I got to know Mel Brooks. That's my other one. Where ah, that's a big one. Spent a lot of dinners at Sid Caesar's house, listening to Mel. That's really? Cool. Oh yeah.
0: Wow, that's, that's huge. Cool. That's gigantic.
1: I asked my uncle Murray. He's coming out to visit a couple of years ago. I said, if you could meet anybody, he's never been to L.A. He'd been all over the world. He's a Purple Heart, Silver Star recipient, World War two Army medic, helped liberate a concentration camp. Dined all over the world best restaurants in the world was a caterer had a great life outlived two wives loved them both He's never been to LA. So well, what do you want to do uh, if you could meet do anything? What would we'll do? He's like I'd like to meet Mel Brooks I was like, well, what's your second choice because that's not happening <laughs> <laughs> And you know, he's coming he's coming and it's getting closer. So fuck it I write a letter to Mel Brooks a letter. Yeah, wow and I knew where his office was and I I knew Mel a little bit because I'd sat with in Sid Caesar's house for different holidays and birthdays and He'd always pop in with Carl Reiner even when Sid was frail and old Mel and Carl would make a big entrance Mel would lean right into Sid's wheelchair Mel Sid, it's Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner like they were on a t- <laughs> And you see Sid light up it was great and you know, it was like Fourth of July weekend a couple of years ago. And finally, I'm like, fuck, my uncle's only here for another couple more days. We're having a great time. We went to Fred Willard and Mary Willard's fireworks party. And I took him to the polo lounge with Bob Sagan And we've been having so much fun. And he saw Renee Taylor at Genghis Cone Chinese restaurant. He got a picture. And, you know, my uncle's having the best time. But, man, he did say, you know, months ago, that would be the one thing with the creme de la creme would be, you know. Just a handshake and a photo with Mel Brooks. So I'm a little embarrassed. So I go into the bathroom and I call Mel's office because I don't want my uncle to hear me, even though he's 90, you know. And I'm like, just make sure you got the letter. And like, eh, you know, following up. I'm just like being as humble and yeah, yeah. Uh, Mel's been out of town. I'll I'll, I'll I'll see what I'll see if I can get an answer. To it boom. I have to go to an emergency dental appointment. I think a filling fell out. So I take my uncle. To the dentist with me. I'm done. It's 1030 now. I'm like, how do I kill our last day with my uncle? I love my uncle Murray. He's just the family ball buster mean Murray. We called him And he just basically made fun of me as a kid and taught me how to take a joke like a real Jersey guy you know lifelong caterer just super funny and we're up I'm showing them you know Mulholland and this and that and we're right at the top of Laurel Canyon and Mohawk, and my cell phone rings hold for Mel Brooks so I'm like oh this is where he's calling like there's gonna be no service up here this is terrible oh, no. like this is <laughs> he's like <laughs> Mel gets on he's like he's like um basically so what's going on what's happening and I'm like oh, we're trying to talk and drive down this hill all at once and I'm like, well, you know, I think it would be so nice of you, meet my uncle. He just loves you, and whatever I can say, I think you guys, you're both World War II veterans. We have a lot. You might have a lot in common. And Mel goes, the only thing I have in common with you, and with your uncle, is that I'm a nice guy. So come on over in an hour and a half over to my office or the barber shop. I don't know yet. I'll call you back. Click. I go down the hill. And yeah, we're both in shorts, so my we're panicking, so we're racing down Laurel Canyon and we run home to put long pants on and just comb our hair or whatever. I'm just coming from the dentist, you know, it's just sweat. and uh, my uncle's like, he doesn't ever. He never waits online, Like, you know, he has certain rules. He's like a s- very proud, stubborn guy, you know, seen it all. And he's like nervously rehearsing opening lines to say to <laughs> Mel Brooks.
0: <laughs> what did he say to him?
1: He's like, how's this? He goes, my uncle goes, how's this? He goes, uh, "He goes, uh, it's good to meet the king. <laughs> Cause, you know, it's good to be the king is Mel's famous line. Right. And uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. I've never seen my uncle give anything a second thought, you know. And uh we get there, and we have this parking spot on the lot right next to mel's parking space and it's beautiful it 's where they shot gone with the wind it's like this beautiful movie lot my uncle's you know he He has very bad knees, very, very weak knees from walking across Europe in World War II. He he can barely stand for, he was a very strong guy, worked his whole life as a cook in his catering hall, but now he's old and he can't, Mel's office for some reason, who's by the way is only a year younger or two years younger, is on the second floor of this building. So now my uncle who can really, flies up this flight of stairs <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> into Mel's office. The assistant is there, you're gonna get a drink, sure, you know, my uncle's just like in the fucking zone and Mel's door opens and they go in there and they promised me, you know, five or ten minutes with Mel these two guys are in there for 75 minutes they know the same guys they were both in Patton's army they knew guys from New Jersey they knew guys from New York they're laughing you know uh, my uncle says I've been a fan ever since the the 2,000 year old man and Mel says it's the 1,000 year old man don't make me older than I am and they're just laughing and I'm just staying out of the way I'm giving them both a couple setup up lines because I kind of know both of their, you know, where they're going. I'm trying to be helpful, but they've tuned me out for over an hour. And they hit it off, and Mel signed a bunch of—gave my uncle his DVD set and signed it to my uncle. And, and and Mel walks us out himself, and we took pictures, a great picture. I'll, I'll Instagram it this week or something. Yeah. And— um. The door closes and we're walking down the hall. And my uncle, who's never a lost for words, he just he's bouncing. And he's like, "Wow, wow, 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 wow!" Like a little kid coming off a roller coaster. That's great, That's Uncle a Murray. Great story. Uncle Murray. He passed away. Rest in peace.
0: We're not gonna top that. So let's wrap it up right here. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah,
1: it's cool. That's a great thank you Mel Brooks. And then I see Mel, uh, uh, you know, I thank him. I thank him. You know, he always mentioned, asked me about uncle Murray and then uncle Murray finally passed away. And I said to Mel, I said, listen, if Mel, if any of your uncles ever want to meet me, I'm happy to oblige.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The real Jeffrey Ross on Twitter and on Instagram. Thanks, brother. That was awesome. It's a that lot was of really fun, fun, buddy. Thanks for having me and on the show. He's always around. You can see him at the store. You see him in New York. If he's come in New York. Come to Roast Battle on Tuesdays. Roast Battle on come Tuesdays. Come see me on the Yaball Tour, University of Rhode Island. Uh, come see Brian Redband tonight at the Sold Out Ice House show, bitch. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we're going to have some fun tonight at the Ice House. Uh, Tony's on that one. Tony Inchcliffe, Joey Diaz, and Brian Callen. Good fucking googly moogly. Uh, t- this weekend, I'm at the store. i Friday night. I'm doing the late show in the belly room with me and the Golden Pony, Tony Hinchcliffe. That should be fun. Uh, that's uh, Friday night, 1030 at the store. And I'm at the store all weekend, too. All right, you fucks. Love the shit out of you people. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.